Wow, Taylor, that's really impressive. A movie podcast covering three movies a week. Something that's more about feelings than real critical analysis. It's very impressive. Let a, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna show you this podcast. I couldn't believe Greg had queued up the We're Watching podcast. I could see why he'd confuse us with them. We're practically the same podcast. We even go to the same barber. But they have better haircuts than us, so that makes them a little bit better. Their episode descriptions. I can't believe the backdrop of Apple Podcasts they went for bone. The subtle contouring, the tasteful thickness of their of their episode descriptions lettering god they even have a watermark and scene and that was the moment <laughs> his inferiority complex caused him to smash the we're watching podcast phone with an axe i feel like they would really appreciate getting a chainsaw dropped on them yeah that... in a thematically not real <laughs> like you know, like, if, if it happened to them, which I would hope it, they do not get any chainsaws dropped on them, I feel like I could, like, be at peace saying, like, that's the way they would have wanted to go. <laughs> you know, like, I'd be like, they died like they lived. I like it. I love it. And we've got some more of the Movies for Win podcast. Woo! We're back. Thanks for sticking with our second ever week-long break in almost a year of doing podcasts Yay! holy shit and also we took sorry. a break because <laughs> yeah it's denny's tattoo artist's fault let's not call it his fault let's call it his uh his uh, his uh surprisingly high level of motivation which turned a uh a three-hour uh scheduled session into a nine-hour session because he was like screw it i'm doing something fantastic <laughs> yeah. but yeah my appointment was at 9 a.m and so, like, I didn't think at all about, like, having to reschedule the podcast for, for our recording. And I was like, dude, I'll come home, maybe watch a movie, and then, like, when Greg's off work, I'll have time. It will jump on, you know? Like, I thought it was going to yeah. be the chillest day with, like, nothing going on. Not the case. Denny texted me at around 9 p.m. and was like, can we start in, like, an hour? And I was like, I have work tomorrow. <laughs> Let's celebrate Memorial Day weekend by silently, <laughs> silently doing other things. Yeah. My bad, everyone. My bad. My bad to Greg. My bad to myself. Hey, It's okay, because I think that we are worth the wait. I think so, too. I think so. Three. Oh, uh, man. All right, so this episode is Movies for Win. The audience missed the point. These are movies that maybe have some pretty heavy popularity but maybe the themes were missed by the broader audience uh at least after the first watch through and I, i'll uh, i gotta tell on myself um i missed the point of all three of these movies on the first watch through so uh we're not trying to punch down at anyone i yeah. absolutely <laughs> missed the point um but yeah this was this was an idea from abby from we're watching um based on a discussion we were having about American Psycho. Um, so shout out to them for episode theme credit. That's right. Yeah, we're not doing a victory lap with our own intelligence here. We were absolutely <laughs> in the circle of like, 
we didn't get it either Dude, so even this time around i like not for 500 days of summer but for for american psycho oh, and fight not. club <laughs> i pulled up like multiple ending explained videos for those because i was like i'm gonna talk on the air about how people miss the point of this i gotta be real sure i didn't miss the point and i was absolutely still like connecting dots when i was watching those videos so yeah this is definitely not us saying like we got it you're all a bunch of idiots it's more us atoning for our crimes yeah Yeah. Yeah. so our our three movies this week we're going to be talking about fight club as denny was just saying 500 days of summer as denny was also just saying and american psycho as denny was just saying i'm just saying um just saying just saying uh before we just say it anymore, we do just got to say uh, a little bit of love and uh, rest in peace to the great, gigantic Ray Liotta, who tragically passed away uh, a couple days uh, before we were originally supposed to record last week. Yes. Which is an acting giant. All the stories that came out about him after his passing were just like, just put a giant smile on your face and, oh man. Yeah, uh, yeah. Go ahead, Denny. Oh no. How do you How do you feel about him, dude? He's the shit. Um, I, I haven't seen actually a ton of his work. Um, honestly, I think the only like classic I've seen of his is Goodfellas, which I absolutely adore. Um, and I think like I saw him more doing like you know like late game, late career, just like cameo stuff popping up places because mm-hmm. he's Ray fucking Liotta. And every time he showed up, I was like, it's Ray fucking Leota. Like, you just got what a big deal he was, what a legend he was. Yeah. And, uh, man, there has never been someone in Hollywood or honestly in life that I've ever seen that had eyelashes like his. Like, he just has, like, <laughs> yeah. such, like, distinct, like, grab your attention eyelashes. I've always loved him for that. Dude, I'm scared of him. Yeah, he's he's a star that never faded yeah. at all. Um, I'll I'll transition a little bit into what else we watched this week uh, with kind of my thoughts on him. My wife and I, we finally finished watching The Sopranos, our first watch through of that. And the night after we finished that, we watched The Sopranos movie that came out last year, uh, The Mini Saints of Newark. Mm-hmm. And I, I should have known that a movie about, like, Italian crime families in America sh- was gonna have Ray Liotta in it, but, like, he came up, and it was after he had passed, and I was like, oh my god, he's here again, I love him, of course he's in this movie. It's, and, you know, he, I, I didn't want to ever say he was typecast, because he always brought something, and in this movie, which, you know, this isn't going to be spoilers, because if anybody gave a shit about the Sopranos movie, you've already seen it. But Ray Liotta plays twin brothers in the movie. One of whom is just out doing his crime stuff, and the other guy uh, went to prison, like, in his early 20s. And you see... Huh? Are you going to spoil the Sopranos movie? It... it an actor plays two characters. That's not. He's oh, just twin oh. brothers. That's 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 as far as I'm going to go for spoilers. Okay, but, I yeah. haven't seen. I, like you said that, and I was like, yeah. And I was like, wait, I actually do care about it, and I haven't seen it. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Yeah. So sorry. He, go ahead. I didn't mean to. Interrupt. He plays twin brothers that weren't in the show, basically. But yeah, he. You can tell. Like it's just he's playing both characters yeah. so distinctly and differently. It's just like, oh my god, he's such a rich and deep actor. 
that you know you could say he's typecast but he still finds a way to bring something to every role he did so a lot of love to him uh the other things i watched this week denny and i watched the movie men yeah in theaters that was, fun. That was a gripping first two acts and then i kind of got lost i guess a little bit I was I was the kid from Parasite looking at the rock saying this is so metaphorical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was one I loved it. Um I definitely as I've already confessed, um I'm not the great the greatest at piecing together metaphors. I, I kind of need a little uh, my my brain just doesn't really work that way. Um mm-hmm. but man, after like talking about it um with the people we saw it with uh, after the show i was like okay i'm officially sold on this um and also like the of the men and women that i saw it with uh the men and women had very different reactions to like the same source material you know like i, I really loved uh i, I love seeing how like as a man that kind of like affected me and was like hey what parts of myself do i need to look at yada 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 and the women that I saw it with were like, yeah, we got so bored and we loved that the character kind of did um, because do you know how much it sucks mm. to watch someone just like keep doing this bullshit and like it just in slightly different ways. And it's just like very disinteresting to me as like a woman watching a movie, you know, and I was like, ooh, I need to stop viewing things through the lens of my own self-actualization. It's probably tedious to other people. (laughs) (laughs) What else you watched? Alex Garland can direct the hell out of a movie, man. Um, As a, uh, like a eye cleanser, when we got home, we watched Paddington 2. Ah, yes! (laughs) Tell me all about it, Greg. It was great. Everything you heard in The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent was true and accurate. It is a fantastic movie. I had a great time. It's very wholesome. I was smiling, grinning ear to ear, ear, to ear the whole way through. I don't, so, I don't want any spoilers, watch it. but was, was he a good bear? He was a good bear. Yes. Ariel and was you know what? Piece. Shocking, like, <laughs> Hugh Grant performance. Really leaning into the character. and It was great. <laughs> I thought he was awesome. I love Hugh Grant, man. He's always good. Ah, he was amazing. This. Uh, we also went out last Friday and watched the Bob's Burgers movie Ooh. at the Alamo Draft House. We got the Bob's Burgers menu, and there was a family in front of us that was cosplaying as the family, yes. and it was so. Yeah, oh, man, it just put a huge smile on my face. Like, we noticed it because the the little boy was dressed as Gene, but the little girl had the pink rabbit ears on we're like oh my god this family rules yeah. <laughs> and then like we we all left and i saw that like both the parents had like the outfits and the aprons on and like that had a mustache and everything it was super cool i i wanted to share that you texted me i'm at the bob's burgers movie and louise is here and i like legitimately was like Kristen shawl is at that theater with you you're seeing the movie with Kristen shawl and then he sent me a picture of the ears poking above the 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 seat in front of him and i was like ah that makes a lot more ah. sense <laughs> a child i would have been like i loved you in 30 rock <laughs> uh, additionally i'll go through these real quick we watched the original top top gun which i had never seen before uh we're probably going to watch the new one this weekend 
hopefully. Pretty good. Nice. Pretty good. I love it. I love it. The new one doesn't look gay enough for me. Um, yeah, we do like gay planes on this podcast. Yeah, I, I just, I'm like, that's what made Top Gun so cool, is it, like, was coded. You know, like, it was... Uh, mm-hmm. It was a little bit punk rock in that way, that it was uh, this super, super masculine movie um, that was, like, absolutely coded for gay people. You know, like, that's what I loved about it. And I, I don't know, this one, uh, it looks a little too straight for me. I don't know. Yeah, jury's still out. I gotta go watch it. And the last thing we watched on HBO Max was King Richard, which was, that's the Will Smith movie he won an Oscar for about a the williams sisters playing tennis i thought it was aggressively mediocre as much as i love the williams sisters in real life yeah that movie didn't really appeal to me either um i don't know much about the williams sisters other than they're really really good at tennis and i've always thought that was cool (laughs) yeah most definitely yep um i watched a lot of stuff this week because vanessa was out of town and i got sick and that uh equated to a lot of time on the couch uh, so I'm, I'm going through uh an international horror phase mainly a- asian horror but a little bit of french stuff in there um Ooh. i watched pulse um which is a sort of classic I'm, I'm kind of a neophyte to the whole genre so i'm still learning but i really enjoyed pulse it was a cool ghost story um about the internet and it's made in like uh, the late 90s so it's like kind of cool to to see that Oh, wait, no, that's Ringu. Pulse is, like, 2004, I think. Um, yeah, 01, so very early internet. It's kind of fun to see, like, yeah. cultural fears, you know, like, emerging in horror. I always love that. Um, I watched Chippendale Rescue Rangers, and... <laughs> A classic Asian horror. Yes, I... Well, I, I kind of had to cool down from that when Vanessa got home. This was before she left, um... Yeah, Chippendale Rescue Rangers I thought was fantastic, and I know that that's largely because it was pandering to me, and I don't care. Um, I love being pandered (laughs) to, personally. Uh, I don't know why people get so upset about fan service and all that stuff. I'm like, dude, I love it. Service me. Service me, cinema. Um, I want to be serviced by Chippendale. (laughs) The cartoon chipmunks. I want them to service me. I'm Please go fan. to the next movie. <laughs> um, I watched Shudder, which was going to be Vanessa's pick for um, when your partner speaks a different language than you. It's a Thai horror film uh, that she had been wanting to see since she was a wee little adolescent girl. Um, and she finally got the courage to watch it. And it was also very good, very spooky. Um, hmm. I saw Men. We talked about that. I watched Ringu, um, what the ring is based off of. Um and I liked it even more than The Ring. I thought it was really, really good. I also watched The Happiness of the Katakuris, a Mike film. Um, it was a horror musical. Um, and I also thought it was really, really good. Um, I don't want to get into like full reviews or anything, but uh, I have been loving the Asian horror I've been watching. Um, I'm here for much more. I think I got Battle Royal on the docket and Raw. Um, that's a French one. Ooh, Battle yeah. Royale is a good one. I've never seen it. Yeah. I'm excited. I've seen it a couple times. I liked it. Uh, but most importantly, Greg, this is why I kind of rushed through uh, a lot of cool movies, is I've been watching Stranger Things. Um, okay. It's kind of like one yeah. of our things together, you know? I wanted to chop it up a little bit. Um, or at least, yeah, or at least go ahead. send you some dispatches. Um, yeah, they, they're... <laughs> okay, I was going to say, like, these 
these little these little children are like we can't do Dungeons and Dragons. I'm worried about my 401ks yeah. and tax returns. <laughs> yeah. Um, we we have a college midterm coming up. It definitely. Are we still cute kids? I'm I'm usually able to like just accept when an actor looks older and not let it get to me. I will say. It is just consistently breaking my immersion that they're trying to pass, like, all these people off as high schoolers. Like, even, like, Nancy and Jonathan. And I'm like, wait, they're still in high school? Are you really trying to play it off, like, less than a year has passed since the last time we saw these kids? (laughs) Holy shit. You know, like, um, so, um, I'm only three episodes in, so I can't really judge a show. Um, I will say off first impressions... The first episode, I thought was, like, really, really good. Like, I, like, couldn't wait to get home and watch more the next day. Was, like, thinking about it. And I was like, hey, they're doing, like, 80 slasher stuff. Um, and it seems Ooh. like they got a lot of stupid bullshit out of their system. Um, and, you know, it's, like, it's almost as though not making the a season of your hit show in like less than a year uh gives you more time to make it good um looking at you stranger things three uh so um (laughs) oh my god but yeah no i i really really loved the first episode like i was crazy about it um two and three not so much i don't hate them but it's not sustaining the magic for me you know like they're a hell of a lot better than season three and i'm still enjoying them uh, but I'm like, uh, it's again, it's, it's not even that it's bad. It's just so far from the show I felt fell in love with, you know, like, which, which really, again, to back to pandering pandered to me, it pandered to like millennials and gen X missing their childhood. Um, mm-hmm. and now I just don't, I feel like it's made more for teens, you know, like it just looks and feels and flows much more like a Riverdale or something like that, you know? Like, I, I mm. think it's made for, like, teens now. Um, Ugh. And I'm just... I, I'm not even <laughs> mad at it. I'm like, I'm just I'm just not a teenager now. You know, like, that's, it's just... It's not really for me. But other than that, like, I, again, I still like it. I'm just not over the moon about it. And, uh, yeah, I, I could... What, what happened to them after season one where they were like, okay... This is what a scene is. A scene is where two people bicker with each other. Um, we have to make sure that that's in every single thing that happens. Like, that's the core of our show, is these characters bickering and being pissy with each other 24-7. Because I'm like, the first season is about people working together, right? Like, banding together against the odds of the world. Um I have never wanted to see these characters fight with each other and have tons of conflict all the time. Um, I, I don't understand it. I, it's 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 not nearly as egregious or bad or annoying as season three, um, but it's still like happening way more than. I, I honestly think it's just because like the story's pretty simple now that we like don't have the mystery of what's going on in Hawkins' lab, so they're just like trying to fill time you know like so they can have a whole yeah. season where it just takes them longer to get from task to task you know like that's right i don't know man oh, so man. that's many rants on if stranger they're, things for if they're gonna if they're gonna keep bickering the whole time they really really should get that pent-up energy out with a a club of some sorts perhaps a fight club cheers 
great Cheers. segue, by the way. Thank you, thank you. I'm a professional, man. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> All right, our first movie. Actual movie, not movie-long TV episode. I mean actual cinematic film designed for theaters. It is a movie called Fight Club from 1999. Uh, if you're wondering where you can watch this, it is a... I think it's on Hulu, Hulu, Hulu with premium subscription, or you can go back in time like 15 years and go to literally every college dorm room and find the DVD <laughs> copy. So. Um, I, used, I used my DVD of it that I bought. Um, I got it for like five bucks when they did that Deadpool promotion where they released like a bunch of DVDs with, uh, with Deadpool parody covers. Um, and I was like, oh shit, $5 for Fight Club. I don't have that. So I got it. And uh, it starts with a fake never been kissed dvd menu um it's so awesome yeah <laughs> like yeah. it really faked me out i was like son of a bitch do i they got my five dollars <laughs> yeah like it's the wrong dvd and then like it you know cracks and goes to a fight club screen so i thought that was super neat hell yeah all right um Denny, what's your relationship with the David Fincher film Fight Club? Um, I saw it for the first time when I was 18 years old, um, which was pretty late. Sounds about right. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Like, it was like everyone in my friend group had seen Fight Club, you know, and they're like, dude, are you serious? Like, so I finally watched it. Um, I obviously misunderstood it because I was 18. Um, and I, I don't know. It wasn't like this thing where I was like, dude non-conformity you know like the it's uh uh tyler durden is who you're supposed to be i i thought he was cool i didn't get the message about him but i did, also didn't like fall in love with him and idolize him um i was just more like this is uh uh a really neat story with a lot of like twist you know <laughs> like that's like pretty much my takeaway on yeah. it when i was 18 and I don't know, man. I've seen it tons of times since then. I've always really liked it a lot. Um, we put it on our list one year because Vanessa had never seen it, and uh, she also really liked it a lot. So this is one I'm down to watch pretty much any time. Yeah. It's a good movie. I think uh, David Fincher gets a lot of flack, and I don't really know why. I think it's just because he's um, very popular with a lot of people, and he's not, like, artsy-fartsy, you know? So I don't know, but... Yeah. What about you, man? Vanessa. Oh, sorry. Vanessa finally saw it, and she was like, "Oh man, this Tyler Durden's got some good ideas." <laughs> oh, hold up, hold up. Wait till the third act. Uh, yeah, I saw this probably the same. I was probably like sixteen, seventeen the first time I saw it. I was like, "Oh, so this is what it's all about." Like, I I had always known about it, but I didn't really know the story because I hadn't seen it, of yeah, course. Yeah. But I've seen it maybe like twenty something times since then finally got to watch it again the other day it had been a little while and boy i love this movie man yeah dude it's a good freaking it's flick. great um should we, great flick should we do a synopsis yes this was my pick so i'll go, go ahead and uh synopsis it uh fight club is a movie about edward norton an unnamed character who's just credited as the narrator it's a story told from his perspective uh he can't sleep 
he's having a stressful time at work. He's just feeling alone and unfulfilled and just all in all unmotivated, just a load of nothing. He is all about his things, his apartment, his possessions. That's what moves him, what motivates him in life is getting more and more things and possessions. And um, he slowly realizes he's uh, becoming an insomniac. He can't sleep. He's trying to self he's trying to medicate but the doctor won't let him so he's kind of doing his own thing of going to various group therapies for like ca cancers that he doesn't have and just meeting these people and feeling their pain and crying with them to help him sleep uh when that uh method gets interrupted by marla singer playing played expertly by helena bottom carter uh the insomnia starts to come back and Ah, issues arise. He meets a, a character played by Brad Pitt called Tyler Durden. Uh, he makes soap. He lives in a dingy house. And Edward Norton's apartment explodes. He loses all of the things in life. Brad Pitt takes him in. They make soap together. They start letting go of the things in life and start exploring just the raw masculinity and raw humanity of themselves and try to really find themselves through violence and they get other people to find that that central nerve and that violence with them in a fight club that's the name of the movie fun ensues uh, <laughs> yeah you're giving a pretty thorough synopsis this is uh you're going more my style beat by beat yeah I'll, I'll cover, yeah, that's the first act plus a little bit extra there for you, folks. <laughs> yep. You've seen the movie. Everyone's, Everyone's seen, seen the movie. The movie. And, you know, Everybody's the, seen the movie. The big twist is that, yeah, spoiler, 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 fast forward ahead. Spoiler, There's spoiler, no way spoilers. this hasn't been spoiled for you. Because um, it was, yeah. Um, the, the big twist is that Tyler Durden is not real and that the narrator is Tyler Durden. Um, He's a figment of his imagination. Yep. A projection of what he wants to be with his own life mm -hmm. brought to life. Sometimes he is Tyler Durden. Sometimes he is himself observing Tyler Durden. Ah, yeah, cool, great, it's really good. Now, and so the big misunderstanding here, right? Like to clarify why we chose this episode um, or this movie for this episode is that um, you're not supposed to think Tyler Durden is cool. You're supposed to. He's supposed to point out like how uncool all this toxically masculine stuff and i actually have a theory on like why people got confused and thought he was cool and it's this it's because he was so fucking cool like, <laughs> like god damn it's like i get like the theme right but like they made him too cool for the theme to land like he like the character is so fucking cool <laughs> he's just got it He's got coolness dripping off his body in liquid form, and it kind of... <laughs> Sometimes literally. Yeah. Uh-oh. It kind of obscures the message that this is supposed to be a bad guy. You know? <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, and he even... What's great about this movie, too, is, like, he lays it out for the narrator. He's just like... I'm the cool shit that you want to be. Yeah. I'm your idealized version of the cool version of yourself. Yeah. I look like you want to look. I fuck like you want to fuck. Like, oh, he's just 
so fucking rad and i think that's why it gets lost on so many people because they have such a cool relationship too i like them at least for like the first half of the movie or so is like they're watching their relationship grow you're just like man he's just making the main character more cool progressively that's that's why it gets so confusing yeah well and that's the thing like all of these movies, uh, the the misunderstandings. As I watched them back this time, I was like, they all spell it out for you. Like the the theme does not require much interpretation. They like they have those moments where he's like, no, 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 you don't understand. You think I'm good, but I'm bad. And we all mm-hmm. still thought he was good. <laughs> like it's it's uh, uh, you know, toxic masculinity is a hell of a drug, I suppose. Yeah, that's right. Um, that's right where do we begin with a movie like fight club man this is such a powerhouse of a film well this is a this is a feelings podcast so i guess we'll say how we feel about it yeah um one of my notes here is i always kind of liked the scene where he talks about how they're like it's one of their fight club meetings down in the basement and brad pitt's talking about how we're the middle children of history we have no war great war we have no great depression you know we were gonna we were promised to grow up to be rock stars and all this shit but but we're not and it's just kind of like this it's interesting like this late 90s era of film with like this and like office space of just like and like even the matrix it was just like what are men in their early 30s now yeah there's there's nothing going on everyone's just in a cubicle the internet's becoming a thing we're just learning about computers and that's really it that's the point of humanity their masculinity is just what you can do to yourself in the gym basically and then you know somewhere around uh late summer early fall 2001 shit kind of changed a little bit but you know i don't know uh mcmillions i don't know what should have happened (laughs) um yeah Shit, shit changed, but yeah, that that was a very prevalent like um, source of conflict in movies back then, especially like in good movies too. I love all three of the movies I just mentioned. Well, yeah, no, it, it's juxtaposing like our carnal nature with what we're asked to do, right? Like what, like um, <laughs> it's like a Clockwork Orange. Um, I, I, I learned uh, that the title references this idea because it's a movie that's like all about structure and like. Um, trying to like um, basically trying to like uh, uh, routine the animal out of a sociopath you know like um, Mm -hmm. and the title references um, to uh, to to expect a human to follow that kind of structure that's like picking an orange off of a tree and finding a working clock inside you're trying to like you're expecting to find a machine in something that's organic um, and I feel like that really was, and I mean, like now, honestly, more than ever is, but like in the late nineties, you didn't have all these cool, like I can jump on Instagram and like, uh, see something from another part of the world, you know, like I'm really connected to all the people I know. Um, it was just so isolated with that purposelessness. Yeah. It was like, for the example of this movie, it's the Ikea catalog. Yeah. It's the, uh, the plates from the indigenous peoples of wherever like it's it's just a facade of just like i'm connecting with the world but i don't know anything about it i've never seen it i've 
I've only seen it maybe like in magazines and shit because yeah. you know that's what was around back then I yeah. guess. Well, and that's like I remember those times. That's what's crazy. That's the that's the At my old existential absurdity, right? Is mm-hmm. that we are creatures who crave meaning in a in a universe that doesn't readily provide any, but like we just absolutely have to have meaning in our lives and. You know, we look at we look at clouds and we see stories that are not there, right? Like we make meaning out of things that are meaningless, and it's just so uh, like there's part of it that I even admire, like even in the resilient sense that it's like if this dude had nothing to make meaning out of, he started making meaning out of like his apartment, you know, like he and mm-hmm. the problem is it wasn't like meaning that gave him purpose to live, but like he still was just like desperately trying to make this meaningless discouraging existence meaningful um and it failed which i think you could say you know says a lot about the movies like (laughs) critiques of capitalism too that it's like dude like at a certain point what are you supposed to do like you're 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 stuck in a system that like affirms your meaninglessness and trying to like argue back right (laughs) like yeah it sucks (laughs) and and that's that's kind of Durden's Tyler Durden's point here is like once you remove all of the things and the stuff out of your life, what's filling that void? And he has the wrong answers, but it, it is an interesting thing to think about. Is just like if I if my place burned down or if you know relationships cut off, nuclear holocaust, whatever, like whatever scenario where you're just separated from everything you knew, what would you have within yourself? Yeah. Uh like who are you really? And you know, it it's impossible to put yourself in that situation or in that kind of mindset, I guess. And then Tyler Durden's trying to explore actually doing that, yeah. which probably not a good thing yeah. <laughs> because you find a lot of uh. Well, you can connect to a lot of strange concepts, right? Like, which, mm-hmm. um, you know, we talk about Dude's Rock on here a lot. Um, Dude's Rock is basically a movement that is trying to reach out to Tyler Durden. Um, like, it's like, it's basically an olive branch to the red pill people, you know, and being like, hey, we think what you're hearing is that the solution to toxic masculinity is to be feminine. And you're not feminine, so it's pissing you off that people are telling you you can't have toxic masculinity, right? Like, you, you, and so mm-hmm. that's what that's the hypothesis. And what we're offering you is something different, which is a, a kind of space where we'll hold each other accountable for ways we've participated in toxic masculinity, acknowledge them, um, try to be better, and celebrate the ways in which dudes rock. Um, and it's like mm. that's that's the person that like this this movement is trying to reach is the person who thinks that like the answer to like feeling pressure to be maybe more more docile or maybe more conformity oriented maybe those are things they associate with femininity and so they're like fuck this let's get let's get real masculine uh, we're gonna have a fucking boot camp in an abandoned house where we chemical burn each other. Um, yeah, we punch, right? Um, <laughs> and you know, and the, and the movie's misguided, right? Like that's that's what the movie's trying to say, and the movie is saying that that is misguided. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, 
yeah, I, I didn't speak clearly there. Um, thank you. Thank yeah, you yeah, for you're clarifying good. that. I got a little confused for a second. I had to think about the it. The movie was not misguided. The movie was correct in saying that that yeah. is misguided. Yeah. And so on that note, what what are your thoughts on like uh, Helena Bonham Carter's role, uh, Marla, in this movie and the way that like femininity interacts with masculinity in this movie? Uh, she's, well, plot wise, she's the catalyst for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Acting-wise, I think she's one of the best pieces in this film. Oh. She's fucking fantastic yes. in this movie. Oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, basically kind of back on theme with what you're saying, there's a scene where he's talking about, you know, um, we're a generation of men raised by women. I'm not so sure that another woman is what we really need. And, you know, it's just Tyler's idea ideal woman is just sex based it's just she's there for sex and then we emotionally dismiss her and then the narrator's perspective is like he doesn't want to think like that but he's unwitting unbeknownst to him he's doing that by having sex with her as tyler durden and then the next morning when he's himself again he's like what are you doing in my house get out of here and just that disconnect well it's it's the idea that like with his idea of masculinity a relationship just doesn't fit there's there's no Mm -hmm. way that tyler durden could like chat at the breakfast table the morning after sex that's just like his idea of it would just never do that they're incompatible right yeah and like some which is crazy because like some of my favorite scenes are the ones where the two of them are just chatting Yeah, yeah i love it i love them together in this movie like in the in the beginning when they kind of like first meet and then towards the end when they're just like (laughs) just bouncing crazy ideas off each other well yeah no they're they're fantastic together and and i loved like what really stood out to me on this watch especially in trying to understand the film better (laughs) um was um i noticed ed norton would get so mad every time marla did something fucked up that he was doing um and he would just like not reflect on the fact that he's doing the same thing at all um but he would just like criticize her and call her like i can't believe that fucking bitch is ruining this for me like she doesn't even belong Mm -hmm. here um and uh i don't know i just i saw that as kind of a reflection of how a lot of men caught in toxic masculinity will really resent women because they shine a mirror on them you know like and they don't want a mirror shown Mm -hmm. they don't want this stuff pointed out because they don't want to give up what they like about it um and then you know like they that's why you see the reactive tyler durden's of the world because uh much like in this movie she made ed norton aware of some fucked up things he was doing and then you see him Mm -hmm. just start spiraling after you know like after that that's when he really (laughs) starts turning into tyler durden so i don't know i thought it was interesting and it really uh, it really stuck with me just how pissed off he would get with a double standard he had for her even while he was like doing the exact same thing yeah most definitely all right i think we've covered themes here pretty, pretty well. well uh i want i wanted to get into some filmmaking shit let's do it if i could real quick um first quick note rest in peeps meatloaf mm. We loved you. His name is Robert Paulson. Ugh, rock on. Terrific. His name is Eddie. Rock, rock on. You haven't <laughs> seen Rocky Horror. That's Meatloaf's character. Oh. Yeah. 
now I have it. Um, speaking of Meatloaf, uh, Fincher, he's... I love his ability to find, like, the perfect music. Like, his collaboration with musicians. Like, recently it's all been with, like, Trent Reznor and, like, Atticus Ross. And, like, his collaboration with, like, progressive and, like, forward-thinking musicians just make his films stand out a lot. Like, the Gone Girl soundtrack is just, like, anybody could have done it. But because Trent Reznor made it, like, it, it's stuck in my brain so much. Like, I hear two notes from that from that soundtrack, and I'm, like, back in it. Um, but this movie was done by, I think, the Dust Brothers, who I think became the Chemical Brothers. I'm not really sure how that, how that works, but the music in this movie is fucking awesome. And the way it's incorporated with the film, like, some of edward norton's voiceover lines are like delivered on beat with like uh the songs that are going on in the movie it's just it's just incredibly poetic it's just like the medium of film like music visual (laughs) just like voice even a voiceover like can all work together in like such a cool way and it happens like there's just like a few peak moments that just really really hit for me so i wanted to give some credit there yeah i mean like I think most people, myself included, can't even think about or can't hear Where Is My Mind by the Pixies without thinking of the ending to this movie or Orange Cassidy's entrance. Um, but it's such a it's such a cool, cool ass final moment to a movie. Um, just yeah. buildings crumbling while it plays. That's that's another note I have, because I think that's like the peak of the film like this this movie sticks the landing with it's it's in a at the time this movie came out it's a pixie song that came out 11 years prior and it's just set up perfectly delivered perfectly like it fits with the theme and like what you're seeing and it's just like it's so cool like this is just peak cinema side note something i fucking hate and i've seen it twice is a movie well i saw it once in a movie and once in a tv show i won't say which ones because there's going to be spoilers but if there's a reveal that a character like two characters are the same person they'll like fat fucking air quotes here subtly put in like a cover of where is my mind and i hate that shit so bad It's in a movie that I watched recently and a TV show I watched a few years ago where they just like, it's actually the same person and there's like a piano cover, Where Is My Mind? I'm just like, fuck you! Lazy fucks! Oh my god, I hate it. It, oh. Yeah. Grinds my gears the wrong way. So what, about the, uh, about the music though, I I wanted to ask you this because it's actually one of my only notes for the movie. Um, Not the songs chosen, but I thought like something that held it back was how a lot of the score was very dated. Um, like, kind of pulled me out of it, especially the opening titles, and there's just a couple montages where it sounds like I'm playing laser tag in the year 2000. Um, and it just, like, it wasn't well, timeless, you know? It's maybe not timeless, but I think it sells the aesthetic of the movie, which, you know, I talked about the theme of, like, this being about a movie, a movie about men in like their 30s in the late 90s like the cubicle life of like that pre-2000 era and i think the music fits that 
it's maybe not timeless to sell that same kind of mindset, I guess, but it doesn't have to be because that mindset doesn't exist anymore, oh, if that makes any yeah, sense. Yeah. So I think it's unintentional because I think if, you know, things were generally the same, I think the music might have been a little dated, like you were saying, but because things have changed so much, it acts as more of a time capsule and doesn't really necessitate like a timeless quality. Fair enough. For me, at least. I think for me, it's like, and, and maybe it's just like a different ways we react to it based on experience and who we are that's inherently subjective. Um, for me, it always, it sounds like it's trying to be like super futuristic, you know, like super, like <laughs> super now, super a couple years ahead. Um, and then when mm -hmm. you watch it 22 years later, you're like, wow, that was kind of try hard, you know? Yeah, I, I think that it was a couple years ahead of its time at the time. Yeah. I think it was futuristic and like the music of the future, all all other things being equal at the time. True. But We didn't have new metal for a couple <laughs> more years, you're right. Yeah. Uh, P.O.D. was still... No, I think they had an album by then. <laughs> <laughs> That's fundamental elements of south town i think might have been released at this point let me do my research denny please interrupt me um, I, I was surprised that uh two week two movies in a row this week um we had came out the same year uh, <laughs> go ahead sorry came out the same year and uh had jared leto in them in roles that i found tolerable um i've only ah. i've only really liked him in a couple things one of which is dallas yeah. buyers club but honestly usually he really annoys me and I saw 30 Seconds to Mars one time and thought it was lame. Uh, and so, um, yeah, no, I, I, I think he's pretty pretty great in Fight Club and uh, pretty pretty chill in, in American Psycho, too. So shout out to Jared Leto for not doing Suicide Squad Joker for these movies. I liked him in the new Blade Runner just fine. Um, yeah, yeah, he was all right. Yeah, this, this was accidentally a double feature of Jared Leto getting completely fucked up violently. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. This is a great episode for people who hate Jared Leto, which I don't, I don't hate him. I just often find him annoying and I'm like, ah, he's in this. But sometimes I like him just fine. So, Yeah, totally valid. Um, yeah, uh, I wanted to give some love to Zach Grenier, who played the boss in this movie. He's one of my favorite, like, minor actors. It's just like, oh, that's the guy from, like, he, he, he was the boss in Fight Club. He's my favorite, like, of those actors. It's just like, you see him in another thing, and you're just like, ah, Fight Club. Yep. Zach Grenier, love him to yep. death. Um, all right, uh, you ready to do some gimmicks? We've been yeah, going man, about I, Fight I Club for a little while. Yeah, I think I'm good to do gimmicks. Um, all right, um, well... We do have a new gimmick this week. Yes, we do. Gimmick of the week. It is the gimmick of the week. Gimmick of the gimmick week. Of the Danny, week. what's the gimmick um, of the week? <laughs> it is your moment of misunderstanding. Um, something that stood out to you uh, on an initial watch where we kind of confessed that we just didn't get the deeper theme or misinterpreted the imagery. All right, I love it. My moment of misunderstanding here is uh, Tyler Durden's whole thing, at least in the beginning, kind of makes some sense. But <laughs> the whole point of this is at a certain point, the philosophy makes you lose too, mu too much humanity. Yeah. 
there's a very clear pivot when they go from being a fight club to like project mayhem that you're just like okay hold on we're taking this too far but yeah the moment of misunderstanding is thinking that this ideology is good because it does make sense at first like we shouldn't be so dependent on stuff that isn't important to us so but that you know leads into yeah. other shit we already talked well, about also like Im- what about you a little more raw reality too is what he's initially on too like you know like the like hey you're deluding yourself if you think that oxygen mass is going to help you from a, a, a plane crash you know like and so mm-hmm. that there's merit in that and you know like to me that's always a good bad guy is when for a minute you go i see why he'd do that wait hold up no yeah. i don't like that's uh, even with that <laughs> rationale it's not it's not okay but like but he shouldn't do that because yeah, of you, it. you should yeah. have a moment where you like kind of get his motives you know like to to really make him a good villain in my opinion um yeah most definitely so i'm gonna give an honorable mention because it's to someone else misunderstanding it but i just i'll never think of this movie without it um ever again but since the point is to tell on ourselves uh i'll I'll give myself one too but so there's this uh i'm not even gonna say its name because i i think too many people are signal boosting something stupid and that's what they're counting on but there's this wrestling promotion um that's like very much like we've been canceled it's the this isn't a show for snowflakes um and it's all like super underground and weirdly enough was started by two guys who weren't canceled and just started saying they were um but like um it seems very dog whistly there was even some like accusations of like uh neo-nazi dog whistling um and so people are very like dude fuck this place um but something everyone's been saying about it is like these guys misunderstood Fight Club. Like they would say it over and over. Oh, and, that's awesome! And, uh, and then the guy who um, is one of the co-founders did an AMA on the wrestling Reddit, and one of the questions was, um, "What do you think the meaning of Fight Club is?" And he actually answered it and went, uh, "You know, it's just a movie about like nonconformity and not buying into the system." and uh just like following your own path okay. and being free to be who you are and then all the other and comments, what about the third act there was like a celebration in the in the comments of like oh my god he actually did misunderstand fight club like oh my <laughs> fucking god this whole thing might not have been happening if these guys didn't <laughs> didn't see fight club like they they yeah. legitimately misunderstood fight club and it shows i <laughs> I'm being silenced by the liberal media, he tweeted for the 500th time in two weeks. <laughs> it's uh, exactly that. Um, so I, I was just mind blown that, like, he actually, like, unknowingly admitted that he misunderstood Fight Club, and that's why he's doing what he's doing. That's so goddamn funny. Um, I, I appreciate that shout out. Yeah. I, I just, I needed to share that story. Like, I was so happy reading those comments. I was like, oh my fucking God oh my god he told on himself and didn't know it (laughs) um but i'm gonna tell myself tell on myself when i do know it um but you know i i talked about just like my general themes of like i fully missed the point of this movie and just thought it was like a neat cool kind of the prestige ish you know like kind of one of those mind fucky movies um but um I'll, i'll use a specific moment um just because it's so obvious it's when um Tyler Durden is looking at a big dildo on Marla's dresser, and she says, oh, don't worry, it's not a threat to you. Um, and I'm, I was just watching it this time, and I'm like, 
how did I miss that? You know, like, in a movie where, like, a man grows boobs and gets bullied for it, and, like, it's all about these guys who, like, have had their balls cut off, and they literally have them sitting next to a penis, and they're, like, being like, don't worry, you don't have to feel insecure around a dildo, and... It's all about, like, they're going to literally emasculate people all the time. They're always threatening to cut people's balls off. And I'm just like, how did I... Like, it's not really subtle. (laughs) You know? Like, it's not. Yeah. How did I not see this? He's literally standing next to a big dick and someone's telling him, you don't have to feel insecure. Like, how did I miss something that clear? Right? Um, I love it. So, yeah, man. uh, What's your favorite line? Oh, my favorite line. Oh, buddy. I There could have been several runners-up, but I knew the winner ahead of time. My God. I haven't been fucked like that since grade oh, school. I always wince at that line. I, I wouldn't even you, repeat it. Oh. Do, you know, do you know the story behind that line? Do I want to? That sounds horrible. Yeah, uh, the filmmaking story behind it. I'll allow it. <laughs> Tell me. So... The original line is Marla being satisfied in bed. You know how women yeah. are. Always satisfied in oh, bed. Oh, I've only ever... Winks, yeah, uh. winks at camera. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, the original line was, Oh my God, I want to have your abortion. And someone in legal was like, We shouldn't do That's that. And they fought line, against it. Oh, for sure. And David Fincher said, okay, I'll give up that line, but I get to replace it with whatever I want, and you can't say no. And they agreed to it. Idiots! And he fucking hit him with that. I did something worse. Oh my god, that's awesome. Terrific. I love love defiance in the face of of corporate bureaucracy, and that's why I misunderstood Fight Club. (laughs) (laughs) malevolent compliance yeah. fuck yeah um i'll, I'll give a a runner-up to like the line that popped me the most which is and you you're too fucking blonde like it's one of the only like <laughs> laugh out loud funny moments of the movie um but my favorite line is when uh he's chemical burning ed norton um who's he pronouns um uh uh uh, brad pitt tyler durden is chemical burning ed norton norton jesus christ i can't get anything out today um and he says what you're feeling is premature enlightenment um that is a cool ass take on pain which brings me back to my initial point they shouldn't have made him so fucking cool if we wanted him if they wanted us to see how problematic (laughs) he is that's a cool ass way to look at pain right like it's it's too real it's he's he's the kind of person who would rope you in you know like and that's a good thing to do for the movie because he ropes ed norton's character in but he also mm-hmm. roped the audience in like they did too good of a job at it you know? <laughs> like we fell for it brother most definitely all right um yeah let's you want to do the scores let's do yeah, the man. scores i want to do What's the yours? scores well, it's is an adaptation of a book. Fincher's very good at that. Um, I this would be a forty in terms of just like the quality of it and how much I enjoy mm-hmm. it because it's just smart, expertly made, it's stylistic, it's funny and engaging, 
they stick the landing, like all of that. But you're interpreting a book, and you've got to like trim some some things out. I feel like this movie's like ten minutes or so too long. Yeah, it is long. It's the same quality all the way through, but I feel like it's a little too long. There's never a dip in quality, but it's just like we should have cut some stuff. I don't know what I would cut yeah. though. Um, I I give this one a thirty-seven out of nice. forty. Thirty-seven, very high. Hell very yeah, high. man! Especially from you, you're not a you're not an easy grader. I like this movie a lot. Um, I gave it a forty-five out of fifty, um, which is you know for me kind of like the bottom of all timer territory. You know, um, which mm-hmm. I, I really do think this is an all time great movie. Um, I do like for me the 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 datedness takes a little off. You know, like because I'm like I can watch Casablanca and not feel like uh, I don't know not feel like I'm missing anything or like I, like it's such a time period movie don't get me wrong but it just like it like, feels a hundred percent it feels timeless though yeah right? it, it's just still salient in every way and even when they're singing like 40 songs like one of the most emotional parts of that movie is when they're singing a song you know like um, it like makes me cry and it's just something about it that just works and um and then there, there's just something that's uh, aggressively late 90s about this movie to me and that that takes it down a few notches <laughs> and um okay yeah and honestly fine. like them failing failing to convey the theme in ways that most of the audience could understand because it's such an important theme actually does knock mm-hmm. it down a little bit for me i'm like as okay. like a movie that you enjoy watching that doesn't matter at all um but like you walk out of the movie thinking about how badass the fights were and how cool brad pitt's performance was and how nice his abs were exactly to look at. And, and and that's what sticks with you um and so i think they kind of missed the mark in that that like um the poignancy of the message doesn't really seem to be on the forefront of the Okay. which is what was intended it's what the movie's about essentially right and i i just think they could have been a little more clear i understand why people misunderstood it because i did <laughs> but still enough. like i'm talking about flaws i'm basically saying why i didn't give it five stars you know like why here's, I, here's my nitpicks yeah that's yeah. like why i gave it a 45 instead of a 49 or a 50 right like that's that's it's i love this movie it's fantastic um When's the first day of summer? June 21st. I think... June 21st. Okay. I think, yeah, summer starts right around the same time as the Seamus edit. Oh! You got my guard down. I thought you were just going to segue. And now we've got 500 days left, wow. baby. Wow. Because guess what? Our next movie is 500 days of summer. Yay! What a bitch. (laughs) I'm sorry. Uh, As I messaged Denny the other day, it's been a few days since, you know, we we had a week off. And I wanted to brush up on my memory of 500 Days of Summer. So I browsed the Nice Guys (laughs) a bit too long. (laughs) Yeah, that's... uh... This isn't true. Uh... (laughs) Welcome back, everybody. 
We're here to talk about 500 Days of Summer. It is a 2009 film that is on Amazon Prime. It doesn't require a rental or a purchase or anything. If you have Amazon Prime, you could just watch it right now. And it is a very 2009 movie. Extremely. Denny, this is this was your pick. Please summarize all <laughs> days 1 through 500 of summer, please. Well, it all started with a misunderstood movie, um, which I think is appropriate for this episode. Um, a young Joseph Gordon-Levitt, a.k.a. Tom, misunderstood the ending of The Graduate and formed a lot of fantasies about it and finding his one true love. Um, he's like a less neurotic Woody Allen. Um, <laughs> but... Um, so he meets a uh, what what I came to call the intangible girl. You know, like that was very much a trope around this time. Like super quirky, uh, very very much like the boys, but not. You know, like um, in uh, in Summer Finn, played by Zoe Deschanel, they work at the same Ooh. greeting card company. Um, she is very 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 clear with him that she doesn't want a relationship, but is okay hanging out and fooling around. And he hears what he wants to hear, um, and she's honest, and he's not, and uh, hijinks ensue uh, as he falls harder and harder for her, and she gets more and more scared of his clinginess and commitment because she doesn't view it that way. Um, and then, eventually, she breaks up with him when they go see The Graduate, and she understands it, and it terrifies her. <laughs> um, and... Uh, then he has a big giant man baby hissy fit um holds that lasts for a whole season yeah. <laughs> um just can't get his little dejected head out of his ass to quote out cold um and uh then uh, kind of bargains with it realizes she's engaged uh uses that as fuel to get himself to be an architect um and then finally gets over her and meets a girl named autumn greg what's your relationship with the movie oh man um relationships yeah good summary by the way Thank you. solid um we go back and forth throughout the timeline of this relationship snapping back and forth uh my relationship with this movie i saw it for the first time maybe in 20. 10 or so maybe a year or so after it come out it was definitely a home watching with some friends and i think this might have only been my second time watching it uh last week before i browsed r slash nice guys yeah <laughs> nice that's it <laughs> um this was actually a really significant movie in my life um i saw it when i was basically living out tom's arc um getting over Ouch. Uh, yeah, oh the worst time to watch this movie <laughs> yes um <laughs> and uh it was definitely me going through uh what i would still say was probably the biggest breakup of my life there weren't a lot of breakups or dating um but <laughs> uh, ooh, i was about to roast you no it was a self you beat me to the punch <laughs> it was a self roast um this was can't be broken up with if you don't date anybody <laughs> dab air horn dot wave whatever i'm married um yeah it all yeah. Worked, it worked out yeah. great no but i honestly was one of the biggest offenders of this movie um of, of misunderstanding it uh and also, I'm glad I misunderstood it because this is what I walked away with. Um, 
I walked away with like, hey, you can get over the person that you thought for sure was the person you were supposed to be with. Um, mm-hmm. And if I could talk to myself now, I'd be like, you're 19. You would have thought that about any girl that held your hand. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, um, so, yeah. uh, but it really did like help me be like, oh, you know, and I remember like asking my mom about her divorce, you know, like, and being like, what was it like to like end a really significant relationship? And it actually did like, inspire some personal growth for me but i absolutely walked away from this movie being like oh finally a movie that calls out women for leading on good guys like me calls them on their bullshit um i Mm -hmm. like someone's finally having a conversation about this thing that always gets talked about um and um yeah, man, uh, I'm not proud of that. I was really into this movie. I bought the soundtrack. I listened to it all the time. Um, and I, I did come around, you know? Like, I, I, I realized it even on my own, I think. God, I'll bet a woman, like, explained this to me and I'm giving myself credit. Um, this is my own. <laughs> um, I figured it yeah, out. I, I don't remember how I figured you're, it out. You're like but. the character in the movie who has it explained to him and he's still like, aha, it's this other thing that I originally <laughs> yes. thought. Yes. Um, Not quite. No, but I, I, I did get it, like, in the very much, like, this is a movie calling out men like Tom, not women like Summer. Uh, you know like uh you were just a man who was like tom so it was kind of hard for you to hear that buddy (laughs) so yeah that that's my relationship with 500 days of summer uh honestly love it even more now that uh i uh it's it's harder to really appreciate a movie you're watching when your head's all the way up your ass and so like now that i can see it a little Mm -hmm. more clearly because my head is not in my rectum um it makes me like it even more ah very nice. <sighs> boy, oh boy. You're, I don't know where to begin. You're Again, not into like this I movie, said, right? I, I am. You're not into it? I'm not super into yeah. it. I agree with everything you're saying, but I'm not super into the movie itself. Uh, again, this is a feelings podcast. Yeah. And I feel annoyed from the get-go. Uh, so, you were talking about our in our Fight Club discussion about the music being very dated boy howdy i don't like (laughs) i do not like regina specter oh i love regina specter very intense national anthem botched vibes like she has like two songs in this movie i'm just like "Ah, just fucking sing it normal oh i I love her and and i wasn't i wasn't into her at the time kind of for the same reason i guess but like she plays the song in the opening credits, and I'm just like, okay, well, this is a time capsule of late 2000s cutesy bullshit, and that holds, you know, firm throughout the rest of the movie. For what it's worth, I hate the Smiths, and they are quite romanticized in this movie, so we each have one hang-up with the soundtrack. I, I, I don't disagree with you too much there. Like, not nothing against the Smiths personally, but I, I always think it's funny in, like, romantic comedies, uh, like Frozen, where, like, two characters will have a... Eh, you'll see. Two characters will have, like, a mutual interest in music, and it's like, here's what 
sets us apart. Here's what sets off the relationship. Yeah. That's always so funny to me. You know, like with Frozen, where it's like, you like the Beatles and Star Wars? Yeah. <laughs> it's just so funny, because, like, my wife is Puerto Rican. She doesn't like my thrash metal music and my fucking noise rock. Yeah. It's just like, we did not connect on music at yeah. all. Our our rule is whoever's driving gets to pick the music. And I'm just like, all right, nails. Here we go. <laughs> And she's just like, okay, and we'll listen to Bad Bunny and um, um, Ariana Grande when she's driving, and I have a great time with it. But yeah, it's it's music as like a me intersection for a relationship is always funny yeah. to me in a movie because it's, it's usually not. not it's usually not that <laughs> <Yeah>. way. <laughs> um, for what it's worth, Vanessa was out of the country uh, for most of her adolescence, and. Uh, she does not have the same appreciation for sad boy pop punk that I do. I'll tell you that much right now. <laughs> How dare she? We do both love Regina Spector, though, so there's that. Well, I guess I'm not going to be in a relationship with you guys then. <laughs> so I'll take that as a rejection of our offer. <laughs> Greg, cut that out. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't. Our offer to be closer friends. Sorry, well, I just found a note I wrote to myself. It's my first note about the movie. Oh wait, no, there's one before it. But it's reminder to self: use your platform to shit on the Smiths. Mission accomplished, Denny. Nice. Um, <laughs> Unintentionally, but <laughs> completed. Nice. So this was something I thought was interesting because I watched this on DVD, um, and I was like, it's so funny that men. Um, that men resonated with this movie so much, or at least, like, sad boys like me did. Like, it was all the rage. Um, I know, like, women love it too, but I was like, based on the trailers that were on the DVD, post-grad, whip it, Jennifer's body, oh. and all oh about Steve. Um, it's like, this was like, the marketing associated with it was exclusively for young women. Um, like there was like it was they they were all yeah. very chick flick movies. Uh, two of them I'd never heard of, you know, but they were very rom com chick flick style. Um, and I was just like, it's so interesting that like that really seems to be the intended audience, and so many people who weren't in the intended audience uh, seem to have missed the message. <laughs> Most definitely. I one of my notes here is like. Do I dislike this movie? Well, I don't, you know, hate the movie. Do I dislike this now because of the main character? Or am I being called out for the way I used to be? Does that make the movie bad? It presents a lot of questions. I'm glad I have this perspective now. And I can look at it through the lens of who it was intended for. Yeah. And that kind of thing. And look at it through, you know, look at it that way. Well, yeah, and I think that's, it's what people miss and what was extremely clear to me this watch there. It's, it's been years since I watched it. Um, but what was extremely clear to me was that this movie, we are always seeing it from the perspective of an unreliable narrator. Um, mm -hmm. That, like, the whole, like, you make my dreams come true um, montage, which is great. You know, like, it's so so awesome when he's like seeing cartoon characters and han solo and doing ferris bueller dance numbers in the park after he has sex um it's like <laughs> to me i don't know watching it this time around i was like yeah this is meant to like 
show like his view of himself right now you know like yeah. not how good th- but like when i watched it i saw it as like this is meant to show um how what a wonderful thing he's just done he just had sex with the girl he likes and the world is celebrating um how Dude, nice yeah. of them when really it's like no the reason there's like cartoons and he literally sees han solo when he looks at his reflection is because he has this absolute bullshit inflated sense of uh grandiosity that is not in line with reality right like and he's viewing himself as the center of the universe and running around with all these supporting characters who are just celebrating him right like that's dude funny funny enough this is the the director's first movie his first feature length film and before that he only did uh a bunch of music videos hmm. so like that montage clicking with you in that way actually makes a lot of sense because that's what he was experienced with he was very experienced with like within the next three minutes of what you're about to see i'm going to sell you this sell you on this idea yeah kind of. and there's going to be a lot of deeper meaning behind the visuals of it so that's a uh, same background you got as, it uh, dan kwan co-director of everything everywhere all at once fuck yeah, yeah. we gotta get a uh more uh prolific music video creators transitioning into feature films yeah david fincher did a lot of yeah. music videos dan kwan did he did like one or two movies before everything but like same premise you know yeah um music videos we're, hell yeah so <laughs> my one of my notes here is that this movie is basically high fidelity revised to incorporate our feedback <laughs> is, nice. is my take on it right Ooh. like um that's good yeah, like it's like if high fidelity was doing a fight club and we accidentally thought that uh john cusack's character was really cool when actually the filmmakers intended for him to be really lame um that's this movie except the problem with high fidelity is uh he was supposed to be really cool and he was just actually really lame <laughs> like that's that's the issue there kind of a rapey creep and possessive narcissist but you know whatever they didn't take all our feedback but i, I do like where you're coming from there <laughs> yeah no but what, what are your thoughts on that that like this is essentially what high fidelity should have been um you know, maybe it's a little bit of, you know, high fidelity walk so this could run kind of yeah. thing. Um, I feel like it's told from such a different perspective or just like a different mindset from the very get go. I I do like what you said a lot, though. I think that's very interesting. I think that. Um, yeah, it, it, there's there's no way that somebody like watched High Fidelity and was just like, I'm going to change these things. I think it was like a, just an independent idea, maybe a personal story. It's just easy to draw a comparison between the two. And we can look at the two very plainly say, this one's about the narcissist creep weirdo and he's the hero. And this one's about the, you know, delusional creep semi weirdo, but he's not the hero in this yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's just, it's two very different explorations of the male perception of uh, women and relationships in general with women. Misconceptions and your own self-delusion. 
um, once you get into these relationships. Yeah. So I I feel like they're easy to compare. No, sure. absolutely. And they're also very like trendy music movies as well. You know, so there's there's yep, that. There you go. Cutesy, witsy, little I, kids I like <laughs> as elitist as this guy is in uh 500 days of summer he's nowhere near the john cusack level in high fidelity yes. so I'll, I'll give i'll give points to this one yeah. over that um i wanted to get your thoughts on abby's take this is something abby told me about the movie that i really like um was that in the group message i don't know if she said it or not i, I know she said it in person um okay. so her take was this that like you know at the end of the movie when he's walking away from from autumn um and uh and then he hears the voice you know the narrator's like he was sure that love didn't exist um and it's like uh kind of given it like death of a dream vibes and then he turns mm -hmm. around and the narrator's like he was almost sure and she's like he's like yeah what's your name and she goes autumn um and it's all cutesy wootsy artsy fartsy like well, here we go again yeah. but we've learned our lesson this time kind of thing yeah, yeah. Well, I, I saw it as like he finally learned you know like that so he got over summer you know and abby's like no it's him saying it's the narrator saying like he almost learned something but now he's doomed to repeat this cycle which Dude, was really I, dark i, <laughs> like... I want to reinforce that thought Abby, I'm sure you're listening. Great thought, great interpretation. I want to reinforce that by saying that that's the 500th day. It's something that bothered me about the movie because it's like day 470. Because, you know, we're showing different days. We show like day one, day two, day 400, and then we're back to day 40, then we're back up to day 450, like whatever. We just go back and forth. And, like, one of the final scenes in the movie is, like, day 460-something yeah. or whatever. And it's just, like, the last time he actually sees Summer in the park. And they kind of reconcile with what happened. She's engaged to somebody else. They have, like, an earnest conversation. And it seems like he comes to an understanding. And they have, like, a very good chat. And he, she just says, like, goodbye forever. And... To reinforce Abby's point here is that should have been, in my mind, that should have been day 500. Like, the last time you saw her in the park, you know, maybe there's a day of, like, reminiscing on that and really learning your lesson and, like, digesting it. But that should have been it. But the 500th day of summer is the transition to the next woman, basically. So day 500 is now... Uh, there's, there's no days of just... What's what's the guy's name again? Uh, Tom. Tom. There's no days of Tom. There is just summer and then there's autumn. His life is, you know, defined by the days that are committed emotionally and mentally to this woman. And now we're transitioning to the next right, woman. Right, because there is a season and, in late August, very brief, called Tom, right? Like late August, but right before autumn starts. Ah, uh, Tom. Ah, ah, Tom! You found I believe it's Tom. I, <laughs> I found it. Yeah, no, that that just reinforces her idea that like he he hasn't learned his lesson because even the title of the movie and how it plays with like how this story is told implies that summer is only done once the new woman is introduced. Yeah. 
So his lesson really never is learned because he's learned nothing about himself. He's committed nothing to himself. And, you know, which is funny, <laughs> a funny way to describe uh, such a selfish character is he hasn't done enough for himself. Yeah. Am I, well, he hasn't taken enough responsibility for himself, right? Like he does, he oh, does everything he definitely does not. for himself, but like, I don't think he helps anyone <laughs> in the whole movie. <laughs> he doesn't help himself yeah. at all either. I, yeah. I was gonna argue against it um because um i was like yeah but like summer did find this like true love you know like this just knowing right and the movie definitely affirms that like that's a thing you should be looking for but now i'm gonna argue against myself Aha. i remember incorrectly that uh, what i was gonna argue was this was that i think that's a valid thing to take it away or to take away from it but mm -hmm. I also think that that would probably not have been the director's intention based on other things in the movie. So if they had that cool-ass message, I would assume it was on accident. But then I remembered this. Am I remembering correctly that they roll credits after Autumn with You Make My Dreams Come True by Hall & Oates? Uh, I don't remember. I can't really say for sure. I think they do. Oh, my God. Hold on. I've got to look it up because... Um, because that would, like, put him back, you know, thematically back to the scene we were that's, just talking that's, about That's before. what I was thinking, right? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, we would we would have to see it again. We're probably not going to figure it out with the Oh, no, session, they don't. So. They don't. They go to, uh, um, she's got you high. Yeah. Never mind. I thought it was going to be another Regina Spector. Nah, song. it's, she's got you high and you don't even know it. Um, okay, never mind. Then I Ugh. will stand by my point. I think... I, I think that's a cool-ass and valid thing to take away from the movie. I think there's, like... I don't think it's what the movie's going for. I think the movie's actually a little less deep than that, is what I'm saying. Um, I think maybe the movie doesn't know that, like, what it's realistically portraying is this is a person who learned absolutely nothing and will repeat the cycle forever. I think it's somewhere in the middle where the movie's just like, well, it's got to be a rom-com, so he's got to be uh, happy. That, yeah, yeah. That's probably more realistically. That, yeah, fair, fair, fair point. Um, yeah, we might, um, be, uh, we might be given a movie the American Psycho treatment that doesn't really need it. <laughs> maybe it's really saying this, and the director's listening to it. I was like, what "The fuck?" It was no, saying I just he said, met a girl named Autumn. It's cute. I had Stop theorizing. I had to market. <laughs> I had to market this. <laughs> Fucking film nerds. Um, <laughs> A few uh, let's let's just plow through some notes okay. here. Uh, in the score, I already criticized the late two thousands cutesy bullshit enough, and just like the general score that like wasn't a soundtrack song, there was like some whistling in there that just reminded me of the aliens from Mac and Me, and it was disengaging. I'll say. Well, now I'm never going to unhear it. I certainly haven't noticed it before, but... Well, well now you're going to I'm only sure hear it. I'm sure I will next time I watch this movie, yes. <sighs> um. This is like a uh, a much less funny forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yeah. For me, where it's just like the... It's told from a very similar perspective, but... Forgetting Sarah Marshall came out, I think, in the same year. It reconciles things a little bit better. And then our lead main male character, 
he discovers these things through male friendships and companionships. And then in this movie, like the male friendships are just like these two schlubby guys that are just like the comic, like very traditional, like Apatow movie comic relief yeah. guys. They're just there to like make the gay joke yeah. and make the sexist joke and be drunk sometimes. And it's just, they're not like really providing any real insight or friendship for him yeah kind of sucks but he's good friends with his little sister chloe grace Moretz is i love her in everything so yeah i loved that they like literally had a child explain what his man baby ass couldn't understand you know <laughs> like she's like just be beating him over the head like uh sitting him right between the eyes man like <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> they like Oh man, they had they had so much shit that was just like God. Again, how did I miss this? Right? Um, yeah, I have a lot on this movie. I don't know about you. What do you got left? Um, was that Yvette Nicole Brown, the new receptionist that replaced Summer? Yes. Yeah, it was. I thought yes, it was. It was. Get a lot of her. I now. have all caps. My note: Shirley. Shirley yeah. Bennett is in the movie to replace uh, Zoe Deschanel, which should be the case for every mm-hmm. movie. I would much rather... I love Zoe Deschanel, but I would always rather see Yvette Nicole Brown. Yeah. <laughs> um, Personal preference. We love Shirley. Shirley rules. Do you have any good penis game stories? Uh, ooh, very good question. I don't think I do. I think I would... I'm so much of a coward that as soon as we started to like play it in band class or whatever, we got above like three decibels and I tapped out. <laughs> Uh, okay fun game guys (laughs) i was always the one who was willing to shout it but i would do it like kind of like aggressively like i'd be like penis instead of like penis like zoe does in the movie um Mm -hmm. but i called her zoe like we're friends i don't know what that was (laughs) also also her and dan are just best buds (laughs) um yeah i don't know but i was actually kind of surprised that like it's never led to a good story because like contrary to what you might think no one really gives a shit if you just start screaming penis they're just like oh okay (laughs) it's the worst punishment you'll receive is a severe eye roll and then someone continues on continues on with their day (laughs) um man so many so many beautiful things to say about this movie um Uh, yeah. yeah man just tom can't unsee it uh, I think I'm pretty through my new my newts. Um, oh wait, no, Th- I have you through your through your newts. Um, this is what I love, right? Um, the expectations versus reality scene, which I think is I like that a lot. Fantastic, yeah. man! It's I love how it's presented. It's really well done, and I really love the song that is playing, the Regina Spector song that is playing during it, "Hero." Um, because the lyrics in it, it's... Don't you know you'll be my hero? Yeah, no, it's... it's re- is, it, is that... goes <laughs> my hero! It's Regina Spector singing here. Uh, watch it, ooh, has we Sorry, that's the Regina Spector cover. It's, she's not like that. Um, but it, it's a woman singing it, and I think that's... I gotta think that's intentional. And the lyrics to the song that are playing are, I'm the hero to this story, I don't need to be saved. Um, and you're seeing, Fuck like, yeah. Summer going on, getting engaged, living her own life, 
and having that be juxtaposed with like his expectations of how the night was going to be focused on him and what he wants out of it um and you're hearing a woman singing i'm the hero of this story i don't need to be saved and to me i'm like that that's like one of the best moments of misunderstanding not to get into gimmicks it's not my pick but it's just like one of the more subtle things that they did i thought that really showed like hey summer is not part of his narrative and that's where all the problems are coming from like he has made her something she is not without her consent um and that's that's what's not working for tom right (laughs) like and she's not she's not bending to his will she's refusing to participate in that fantasy and tommy boy can't handle it (laughs) you're trying to save someone who's the hero of her own story fuck off i i really like that part because like we've all had that moment maybe not well as like straight men i would say most of us have had moments like that i'm sure it's not just a unique unique experience for us it's a very human experience of just like if you love somebody and maybe things didn't work out and there's like a chance at things redeeming themselves, any person would visualize going into that situation. They've got like these expectations hyped up. I'm just like, here's how I bet it's going to go. Here's how I want it to go. And then you start really like building that up. Like if I say this, this thing the right way, things are going to go this way and they're going to, well, obviously they still love me. Otherwise I wouldn't be here kind of thing right yeah and you know maybe it doesn't happen at this late stage in life this late of a stage in life like it does for the main character but you know it is a very relatable thing so i i did i did really like that scene a lot yeah it's it's pretty on the money man Uh, again getting called out yep uh stop doing that (laughs) any any other Um, notes uh yeah i talked about my mac and me shit my last note joseph gordon levitt i i really hate this performance it's it's not endearing it's really not he it's (sighs) performance okay but his voice it just sounds like he's covering an accent but like also covering like the true pitch of his voice like he's trying to downplay the octave he's like trying to go down an octave like he's trying to convince you that his id isn't fake like he's uh, it just it's just so weird like i cannot figure this dude out like it's his voice isn't his and it's just like i want to just check this kid's id like it's so annoying i i, I like joseph gordon levitt but i, I thought he was a pretty flat leading man especially like juxtaposed with like zoe de chanel um his uh you know show stealer of a little sister and his quirk his quirky mm-hmm. best buddies um he he felt kind of flat like definitely the least interesting character in the movie i just didn't believe him to be a human person because of his vocal delivery <laughs> like i i i understand feeling he's flat but i'm just like pe- people don't talk their words in this manner <laughs> people don't talk their words in this manner <laughs> i meant that sincerely yeah I, s- words. <laughs> I said what i meant my guy um yeah honestly I, I totally see what you're saying uh i've never thought about it before though so it didn't bother me but i'm like now that you mention it i totally hear it it stuck the fuck out this time i don't know why <laughs> 
I can't believe that Summer is my girlfriend. <laughs> you sound like Mugatu. Like, that Hansel is so hot right now is the cadence you were using. As, as a 23-year-old American man, I'm going to buy a cheeseburger with my credit card. <laughs> it's like, I, mm, I'm, not, I'm not buying this guy's existence. Really. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, are we ready to do some gimmicks here, I, my I guy? I have a gimmick with you, brother. Let's, I, I honestly, that was, I, I love one. hearing you upset that was, about That it. was honestly the that was the biggest thing I had to get off my chest. It's just like... Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, my moment of misunderstanding. Um, so yeah, I said I watched this maybe like 12 years ago or so. The older I get... I am glad that I relate less and less to this yes. main character. If you are, like, relating to his mindset and his perspective, you need a reality check. Yeah. Uh, I think it's been a long time since I've heard me or someone I know accuse someone of putting them in the friend zone, and I think that means we're all getting better. Uh. Oh, God, <laughs> <dude>. yeah. <laughs> said my uh my moment of misunderstanding other than uh that the entire movie is from the perspective of an unreliable narrator who is not the narrator of the movie it's <laughs> a little narrator nice. inception there um a lot of narration <laughs> um, uh, and also other than honorable mention um i didn't understand that that uh chess scene in the art film they're watching is them referencing ingmar bergman's the seventh seal i've seen that movie since the last time i saw 500 days of summer um all right i have not I, I just gotta go with uh that they literally had his blind date explain the entire point of this movie and i still didn't get it <laughs> like oh i was God. like oh of course a woman would take her side oh they all do this shit like jesus christ and then and then you watch it now and you're like how did he not yeah she's beating you over the head with the message of the movie like it couldn't be more explicit she's like did she cheat on you um she just broke and you guys weren't even officially dating and she told you this what's your deal man you know like that's just like so she's not your girlfriend yeah Yeah. um i was just like oh no empathy. And he's like, in my response to that, let's go get drunk at the karaoke bar. Okay, dude. Yeah, so since uh, that one was so explicit, your... I had to go with that. That's perfect, man. I, I'm glad you brought it up because it was in my notes. I, I think I forgot about it. Uh, what's your favorite line from this flick? Um, I've got a couple I love, um, but I'm going to go with... Um, hold on, let me find it. He's got mm -hmm. just some guy she met at the gym with Brad Pitt's face and Jesus's abs. <laughs> 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 so good. And all of our movies crossed over this week because we had Jared Leto in the other two and Brad Pitt mentioned in this one. They were all interconnected. Ah. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. If only we had mentioned Brad Pitt's abs, yeah. then it would have been really... Because those were the star of Fight Club, really. <laughs> they really were, man. What's, uh, what's your favorite line? Uh, I had a runner-up where 
the drunk guy told Zoe Deschanel, ah, the lady doth protest, and Summer says, the lady doth yeah. <laughs> I really liked I liked that a lot. It's pretty good. But my my favorite goes to uh, the little, little sister saying, just because some, while they're playing Wii Tennis, yes. by the way. Talk about it. dating a movie. Just because, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> sign of the fucking times just because some cute girl likes the same bizarro crap you do that doesn't make her your soulmate tom uh, whack, whack. Uh, i think we I'm all just need to take some time to reflect <laughs> now nah, we're all well we're all all of us recording the podcast are married to <laughs> we learned we did it Love lovely women that <laughs> that uh, are our soulmates for other reason than liking the same bizarro crap we do ah dream girl yeah. no <laughs> human, human human girl, girl. <laughs> she's real right and a and a real hero yep. uh what'd you what'd you score this one i gave it a 42 um 42 out of 50 I, I like it a lot man i really do i'm a big fan um it's actually like like seriously one of the only movies that like changed the way i think and maybe the only one that changed the way i think twice um you know because it initially helped me get over someone that i thought i couldn't get over um and then it helped me look at my own shit and how i put myself in that stupid fucking situation in the first place with my own bullshit fantasies about stuff um and that's good and also dude like uh, basically everything you said bothers you about this movie just doesn't bother me i even i, I like the soundtrack and uh dude i'm i'm a sucker for a dramedy i love dramedies man i really do um and this was one of the uh one of the first like indie-tastic movies i saw in my life probably so i think it has a special mm. place in my heart for that 42 out of 50 so you're good with the dramedy where the main character is a 14 year old trying to buy cigarettes all right <laughs> Yeah, I love Superbad. Why? I'll have a pack of the Marlboro Reds, because that's what I always smoke. It just, okay, it, okay, Joseph. It was not that sandpapery to me. You know, like, I just, that, I've never thought about it till now, and I've seen this movie a bunch of times. Oh, that's fine. Uh... <laughs> Listen, uh, I wish it played more like a cautionary tale than a fun time. It gets a little bit caught up in its own cutesy late 2000s whimsy for me. I gave this one a 27. Um, I appreciate the idea behind a lot of it more than I dislike stuff about the movie, you know? Uh, I don't hate everything about it. Maybe it's a little bit over dramatic with like the man greeting cards are making us incels <laughs> maybe not maybe not <laughs> calm <Yeah>. down but <laughs> but you know i i like the ideas behind it i just there's just a few things i don't really love about it fair enough man and you know i think this is this is the kind of movie where it's like it's it's a genre movie if, and if that's not your genre then it's not your genre right hell yeah it was at a point in time <laughs> but I guess just less now. Well, you matured more than me, so congratulations. You're further away I'm from so the point mature. where you liked this movie. <laughs> I am so mature. I am going to buy American beer at the liquor store. Hey, here they've recently added more hops. Hops. <laughs> <laughs> Man.
American Psycho. <laughs> Seamless edit. <laughs> it's getting late. <laughs> I, I don't know the rest. I don't know the rest of the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> We're here to do American Psycho. How patriotic of us. I know, yeah. USA American forever. Psycho. <sighs> sure. Uh, the 2000 cult classic starring Christian Bale can be viewed on HBO Max right now. Go watch it. Mm-hmm. HBO Max. It's got all of your American Psycho needs. More on that later. Uh, <laughs> Denny. This was, a, uh, this was a pick brought to us by the We're Watching podcast, yes. which we alluded to in the intro of this episode. Uh, can you please summarize the plot for American Psycho? Yes, I can. Um, Patrick Bateman is uh, the king of the yuppies. Um, he is a sociopath who is living... Uh, uh, just everything is comparative. Everything is a competition to him. Um, he tells us in his inner monologue that he has no real feeling. You know, like that he knows he's lifeless behind the eyes. Um, and it's all about him doing, like... A bunch of keeping up with the Joneses on crack, essentially, with a bigger budget than any of us would have to keep up with the judges or the Joneses. Um, and then, you know, it's we, we see like him interacting with everyone at work and seeing how like they don't even know each other, but they hang out every day and they're all hanging around being misogynistic assholes all the time. Um, and then things take a turn when he kills a man because he's jealous of his business card. Um, and (laughs) we see all this really graphic, violent stuff. Um, a whole lot of violence towards women. Um, I think it's why my wife hates this movie so much and won't watch it with me. Um, which is fair. (laughs) Um, and, um, yeah, then things start getting even weirder when, we see that our, our, I suppose, protagonist, Patrick Bateman, is having a psychotic break, and things are functioning like action movies, and he's seeing things that aren't there. He tries to confess his crimes, and no one even believes him. Um, and he does not get catharsis or, um, or any sort of uh, consequences for what he does. And, you know, that's what's misunderstood about the movie, because a lot of people think that the killings did not happen because no one believes him. And the director's been like, no, not my intent at all. Um, It was trying to show that um, even if he wanted to face the consequences, um, that (laughs) it's impossible for him to have consequences because everyone around him is so vapid and into themselves and their own gain that an apartment complex that finds a fucking massacre of like 10 to 15 bodies would rather just cover it up and not damage the value of their property than figure out who did it um, and prevent it from happening again. So that's what everybody missed, myself included. Um, Greg, what's your relationship with the movie? Well, very good summary. I'm glad you covered what people missed. I feel Um, like you kind of have to for the, you know, for the theme of the episode. Yeah, most definitely. Um, I watched this movie probably, like, first year of college. I was maybe, like, 18, 19. I watched it again maybe three years later. So I watched it for the first time. Didn't really get it. Didn't really like it. 
I watched it for the second time a few years later, got it a little more, didn't really like it. And I watched it this last week, I got it, I still don't like this movie. Oh, really? Okay. I, okay. I, I, I don't like this movie at all, man. I'm not gonna... Whoa! I'm not gonna Bombshell! Like Bombshell! I, like, it's one of those things, man, it's just like, it's the opposite of the Country Bears thing, where it's like... I can ex- I can explain why I don't like this one, but it's just like uh, Country Bears. <laughs> you know the common comparison of American Psycho to Country Bears. Uh, <laughs> I'm bracing myself for when you rate this lower than Country Bears. By the way, as soon as you said you didn't I'm, like it, I'm but... glad I'm glad you've done that <laughs> mentally already. Um, <laughs> oh my god! It's just like. <laughs> There's just this, maybe, it's a, it's a, I, this is the third time I've said it already. This is a feelings podcast. I feel like when I watch this movie, I am, oh my god. It's, it's the Country Bears evil twin where it's like, I can't explain why I'm having a good time. And then this movie is just like, I can't explain. I'm just having a miserable time watching this movie. Right. But I, but I can kind of. Uh, this is a bad comparison. Please talk more. I'm, I'm. Well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing your answers. You know, like to hearing your explanation. Um, I, I need more questions to provide answers for okay. vampires kiss light. I was like, oh. <laughs> I've, I've always said, vampires kiss is a lower budget version of the misunderstood version of American Psycho. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. The settle, the settle bone. <laughs> <laughs> um, my God, the thickness of the card is better than my card. <laughs> Your vampire's kiss, Nick Cage, is fantastic. Um, Chloe Savigny, did you find the file for Willem Dafoe? <laughs> <laughs> Am I getting through to you, Mr. Allen? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think I watched this movie for the first time in, like, the middle of the day on a boring day with my brothers at my dad's house, I'm pretty sure. And I thought it was really interesting, but didn't really know what I just watched. Um, I knew it was, like, a a movie that people get really excited about, so I was uh, meaning to see it again. Um, we put it on our list one year, and uh, that time I, I really loved it, despite still misunderstanding it on some level. Yeah. Um, it sounds like Vanessa and, really didn't like it. Yeah, and, you know, like, I, I think it's like uh, it's like a, a, a discomfort with the imagery. Um, I don't want to speak for her, but she's, honestly, she usually says kind of what you're saying, because I get, like, excited about it, and we have some friends who, like, love to quote it and stuff because they work in business. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, oh, my God, we, we should watch it. And she'll just be like, man, I just, I do not like that movie. I don't like it. I don't know what to tell you. I don't want to watch it. Yeah. Um, and, I, I want to talk to her about it because I, yeah. I feel like we're on the same page. I wanted, like, more confirmation from her, but I'm just like... It, it, maybe it's the imagery for me, too. I haven't really figured that out. I just... Fuck. Go ahead. <laughs> Continue. No. And but I, I liked it and, and um and that time I walked away with the understanding of like, oh now I get it. 
it doesn't matter if he actually killed those women or not because he was okay with it in his head, right? And that's and that's what it's trying to talk about. Um, it's trying to show you like his deranged perspective, and it's like it doesn't matter if he actually did the murders. Um, and then this time I watched it, and a few ending explains, and I actually got it as I've already detailed. But uh, man, I'm crazy about this movie. This movie is very enigmatic to me, very quotable, um, and to me like a very at times fun and at times really haunting uh roast of yuppie culture um and of just like the uh the narcissism and and lack of humanity that gets rewarded in in capitalism um and i i love it man and i i think it's probably christian bale's best work um i love his performance in this i'm i'm crazy about this movie um have you had any insight into what you dislike about it in the time that I've uh, been rambling? Maybe not. Um, I do want to talk about what I do like about it. Please do. Uh, if if you tell somebody that, you know, somebody that's never seen a movie, doesn't know who Christian Bale is, and say, here you go, watch this movie. This movie came out in 1988. They would believe it, because this movie feels like it came out in 1988. Absolutely, it does. I think it's incredibly well made, and it sells um, just, like, the atmosphere. And, like, <laughs> it's, the setting of it is so perfectly executed. Uh-huh. Like, I, I think that it confuses a you know. It confused me a little bit. I'm like, wait, when did this actually come out? Was this, like, soon after when it's set? But you realize it's, like, 20, you know... Yeah, no, I just a little over realized, a little over a decade later. I'm on IMDb now because you said it, and I just realized it's 2000. I definitely had it in my head that this was uh, early 90s, like 94. Yeah. Oh yeah, I said it was 2000. I said that. But yeah, you don't. No, no, no. I said that. I looked it up. You don't. You don't perceive it as 2000, for sure. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I know you. Sorry, I know you said 2000. I, I wasn't trying to dispute that. I was saying like. I hadn't even really considered that this movie was made way later than I thought it was until you said that. That's why I pulled it up. Like it was in, what I'm saying is they did such a good job and to your point that it was like incredulous to me that it was made this late and it was. Yeah, well it's it's based on the book and I think there was like I I saw like a snippet of a YouTube video where there's like some disagreement between like the author and the director of the film, Mary Heron. Mm -hmm. First of all, I love that this movie was directed by a woman, so we do get like the female gaze on the char on the uh, on the characters in this. It, it's yeah. the the on screen violence towards women. If this was directed by a man, I feel like it would be even more uncomfortable to watch. Mm -hmm. I that's that's just my speculation. I th yeah. I think she did a good job with the source material. Also, the screenplay was uh, written by uh, Guinevere Turner, so, like, very, very female-influenced all the way through. Yeah, for sure. But, like, the author of the book, like, the main disagreement was just, like, this cannot be adapted into film. Film has answers. You are shown things that cannot... Books leave things to the imagination that film, by the law and essence of the medium, have to be answered by showing you the things so 
maybe that's where like some of the disconnect and maybe some of the misunderstanding comes from for a lot of people is just like but i saw this happen yeah. where if you whereas if you read the book you're i haven't read the book um i don't read books me neither, <laughs> me neither. i'm reading one right now though um but it won't come as a surprise to you what it is uh bears novelization uh, not quite. No country for old men. Oh my god! <laughs> All right. Yeah, there on you go. On brand, very Mr. on brand. Johnson. On brand. But is like you, you've you're adapting a book that is so based on like the ideas in a person's head. Like, how do you visualize that? I believe it is possible, but I don't think maybe the author thought it was fully accomplished here. Yeah. And I kind of buy that. And, you know, maybe I would want to do a little more research on it, but that would involve me doing research on a yeah. film and story that I don't like. And I, <laughs> and also involve me watching a movie again that I don't like watching. Yeah. Well, I, I have something to your point, and it's, it's my biggest note about the movie, because um, I think it's where the misunderstanding comes from. Um, they should have cut the scene where he was having obvious psychosis. Um, and their point was, like, they were never meaning to make people doubt if he really killed people. They were trying to show, like, he's psychotic and he killed people. And he has no idea how many people he's killed. Right? Yeah, like the big, um, the big, like, maybe not reveal, but, like, the big turn of understanding in this movie is, like, no, everyone's actually this psychotic, too. Yes. This culture that he's wrapped up in, where he's trying to be better than everyone else, trying to put himself at the same level, the peak of that is this level of psychotic disconnect. Yeah. And, you know, I got it more this time for sure. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like a lot of the, like you were saying, the misunderstanding is just like, did he really yeah. kill them? Was it all a dream? Exactly. No. And- I think it I think it detracted from the message and there was no real reason to include it. You know, like I think it made the whole thing just more more confusing. And as much as I love the like feed me a cat and um, you know, uh, action movie car exploding and Christian Bale even doubting that he's seeing that and he's like a police car shouldn't have blown up cuz I fired some bullets at it. You know, <laughs> like um I I I think I think less would have been more. I think it that is the kind of stuff you can kind of get away with in books that just, in a movie that hadn't previously given us any sign that none of it was real, in the climactic moments of the movie, they show us some things that are clearly not real, and then no one believes his confession and the bodies disappear. You know, like, it's... I think it was a misstep. Um it was definitely a misstep and i think that's like the biggest issue with the movie as someone who loves it okay yeah it <laughs> would you believe me if i said i was out of notes <laughs> really it's <laughs> like that's how little you like it it's just like i'm i'm sitting through it again and i'm just like maybe my you know I've matured enough. I've matured a little bit more. I've grown up. I understand these things a little bit better. Maybe that'll make me enjoy the movie more. Because yeah. I, I, it's one of those things where it's just like, I know there's something interesting here, but I just don't quite get it. Yeah. And then this time, I got it. 
and I'm not interested still. Still, yeah, yeah it wasn't I'm worth like, the, the effort for you. Like, no, it's just this this isn't for me. And yeah. it's this is a kind of a weak comparison uh in a lot of ways but i kind of compared it in my head to the wolf of wall street i haven't seen it uh don't uh (laughs) (laughs) similar kinds of characters where it's just like it's it's very different themes very different kinds of movies but my feelings watching them uh, this is all yeah this is for the fourth time a feelings podcast i feel the same watching these two movies where it's just like I see what's happening. I get it. I don't want to see it anymore. Mm-hmm. And like Wolf of Wall Street, I watch it and it's just like a three hour slog fest of a guy who's just like, here's how much of a piece of shit I am. Like, okay, great. And I don't care if this guy lives, dies, goes to jail, gets away with it, whatever. I just don't want to see his story anymore. I'm fucking sick of this guy being on my screen. Get him out of here. I'm done with this fucking movie. And then it's like, no, 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 there's still two hours left. And then this, it's just like, I, I, I'm I, just disconnected from it completely. And I don't want to see anymore. This movie kind of has the same sort of feeling. But I feel like this one actually has a little bit more to say. It's not as bad. And fortunately, it's not as long. Also. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I mean, this is a it's it's all the feelings man i certainly can't argue with that powerful of an emotional response man like that's I, i've got nothing to say other than wow it sounds like you really don't like this movie I re- <laughs> like I, like there's no counterpoints to that man i just i really don't like this movie and i'm not willing to watch it again to further explore that fair enough <laughs> I mean, if you've seen it four times and really gave it an honest try to like it, at a certain point you've just gotta <laughs> you've gotta accept that you don't. Um, I've got movies like that, man. That I just, for whatever reason, I do not see the appeal. Um, Guardians two. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, not later, or not. Man, it doesn't matter. I'm I'm on the I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. I uh, I fucking love the movie, man. Um, I. I I'm invigorated by it. I'm captivated by it. And I feel like I could watch it forever. I could watch his like sociopathic obsession over the minutia of business cards. Um, his, uh, displaced anger, um, his weird sit-ups while watching loud porn stuff. Like, um, I'm so captivated by this character of Patrick Bateman. Um, He's, he's such a, such an alluring performance and, and character for me. I'm I'm and I don't know. Maybe it's I love horror more than you. Maybe it's that I uh, grew up in a world full of rich sociopaths, and so I there's something very uh, validating about this movie. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I grew up in the like, you know, the like country club ass keeping up with the Joneses world, and. Uh, I, uh, through great effort, achieved poverty in my adult life. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> you did uh, it, bud. <laughs> clawing my way back to middle class <laughs> since I was in my 20s. So, and, that's, um, and that's the thing. Like, this is a character, like, if it was just presented differently, I think I would be captivated. I would, I would find some allure to this, this kind of character. 
I don't, I just, I don't know what it is about the presentation of it where I'm just like, fuck this. I'm, I hate that I'm watching this. I yeah. feel bad seeing this. Yeah. I don't know what it is, man. Well, I wonder if it's like maybe he has like absolutely zero save the cat moments. Do you know what I'm talking about with that? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I don't think it's that, though. Okay. Um, I mean, we meet him talking about his skincare routine, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, the dude has antisocial personality disorder, which to me is a fascinating condition. Um, I'm just, I'm so interested in how less human he is, because I know, I have known, <laughs> um, people that suffer with that affliction, and, you know, they don't have a closet full of bodies that I'm aware of, um, but <laughs> they certainly, like, they, they're just something different is happening in their in the inner workings of their mind than what's happening for you and me you know like it's just it's very interesting to me yeah there was a movie i watched um during that time when i wasn't on the show due to getting married uh, i'll have to look up the name of the movie it's by the same guy that did like the oceans 11 movies um and it was it was in the same kind of vein as like the big short you did you ever see that one yeah yeah i saw the big short it was kind of like it was like that but it yeah it was it was a different film i can't think of it It had like gary oldman and like uh meryl streep in it it was just like uh, harry potter and the order of the phoenix that was it yeah <laughs> uh <laughs> obviously not uh <laughs> but it was just it was called the laundromat the laundromat uh and it's just like one of those things just like here's a very in-depth and very serious like kind of whimsical just like tongue-in-cheek kind of take on how like hey did you know these rich assholes they're actually assholes and you're sitting there like yeah i i know why are you showing me this? I get it. I know this already. Thanks. And it's just like, yeah. it's not glorifying it, but it's not offering any solutions or it's just maybe not solutions, but like any sort of like payoff of like, here's a move, like a fantasy thing of like, ah, oh, we got revenge on the rich douchebags. It's just like, oh man, these guys are real assholes. Thanks for watching. It's just like, okay, what did I get out of this? Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> like, I well, didn't. I, I didn't need to spend two hours on you telling me what I already know. I guess so. I, I guess I see it as a cautionary tale of like, hey, a lot of you might think this is where you want to get in life, and uh, let me tell you why you don't. Um, this is not where you want to be, um, and if you're not careful, this is what will happen to you if you keep chasing things like this. Yeah. Um, and then Wolf of Wall Street is like, oh, also, maybe it would be kind of cool if you did pursue these things. Yeah, yeah. Um, Fuck that movie. I hate that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you this. Do you like, like, uh, true crime serial killer docs? Yeah, I think so. A little bit. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out, like, why would this appeal to me and not to you? you know, like, that, that in a... So you're not a, you're not a true crime doc kind of person, then? I, I go through phases. Um, uh, not very often, but I'll, like, I'll get really into it a little bit. Yeah. But it's, like, when I do, 
Um, it'll always be, I'll be like, I want to watch, like, the craziest serial killers and try to understand what was going on with them. You know, like, yeah, what, what, what was going through Jeffrey Dahmer's fucking mind? You know, like, um, which on some level I think was probably, I want to have fun. <laughs> like, which is so fucked up, but, like, that's what you see in this, you know? I don't know, and, like, would you say you felt like you could be yourself a lot in life? Like, for most of your life, you've, you've felt comfortable with who you are? I guess so, yeah. Okay. I absolutely wouldn't. Um, and I wonder if maybe that's a thread. Because um, I'm like, man, I know what it's like to, like, try to figure out the right opinions to, appre- to impress people. You yeah. Know, like to, to think, like... Instead of what do I think about this, like what are the good talking points about this? I, you know, like I've done that a lot in life. Maybe that makes sense. It's just like I don't see I see like the character as trying to be a certain kind of person and that kind of person I don't view as a person. If that makes yeah. sense. Like I don't see that as a human being. Like that's not a real person. And you know, this character is starting to kind of realize that. Maybe I should be more engrossed with that. Or, like, should be able to understand that more. It's just, like, I don't see this as, like, real human characteristics. This is a fake... Oh, they are. This is a... Like, I know they exist, but, like, this is just a fake persona that's just put on. Like, why would I want to watch people that their entire existence is based around projecting an image? Like, I don't... I don't want to fucking see that. Like, okay, great. Now we're on a hot trail. Maybe we're on Um, a hot trail. Yeah. I mean, like, I grew up in a world... Put and... aside your ego and get the band back together! God damn it! I should have. I should have just got the band back together. Um, <sighs> I, I, I grew up in a world where it was all about image maintenance, and then I gravitated to a world like that in my adult life. Um, and I don't know... Uh, I don't know if you... I may, I may look like I'm perfectly put together all the time, but I promise you... Uh, I'm not actually that great at image maintenance and just I think I I think I also relate to like Patrick Bateman's isolation um that like he is painfully aware that he is very unlike other people um yeah and and I obviously not in the sense that I like have no empathy and am like trying to kill people just to feel something you know but like um I know what it's like to be like I'm blending in but I am seeing the world differently. Like I, I, who I am on the inside doesn't show on the outside. And if I, if I really showed who I was on the inside right now, I think it would freak everyone out. You know, like so. I think maybe that's a thread I relate to a whole lot. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I had, I had kind of a thought while you were talking. There is just like projecting an image doesn't have to be necessarily always one of success like you were talking about like you you see patients well you've met people where like (laughs) maybe the younger generation is just trying to maybe not project an image of success like this movie is like the characters in this movie are trying to do they're trying to project sort of the opposite they're just like restrained from success like i have deep emotional i have a personality sorted because that's my identity kind of thing and they're trying to kind of force that like i don't like stuff like that 
I don't either. I, I, I don't like it when people are trying to, like, project something that they're not for the sake of some kind of weird uh, dedication to an image that only they care about. And yeah. I, I don't know. It's just so weird. Like, even, like, the other end of the characters in this movie is something that I wouldn't also wouldn't enjoy watching. Yeah. Well, and I think that I don't like it either. And I've done it, you know, like, and, and I've done that a lot, man, for long periods of my life. And I think, I think that might be the appeal here. And I also like, and maybe it's just like, um, it's me being a therapist, but like, dude, I really enjoy to just like pull back the veil and look right at the darkness for a little bit. Um, and then, you know, go back to, go back to a more balanced perspective on the world. But like, um, I, I really enjoy seeing like the raw fucked upness of darkness in the world and just being able to have like the tolerance to look at it and, and, and be aware of it and know about it. And, um, I'm, I'm also just, I'm, I'm very fascinated by things like antisocial personality disorder you know like and I'm, I'm just like i'll look at the world and i'll be like man almost everyone i've ever met is actually a pretty cool person like and you know generally like somewhat empathetic somewhat caring and i can see that like honestly as a general rule broad strokes obviously i, I tend to think people are, are pretty kind to other people on a like individual basis right mm-hmm. um but then every so often in the lottery of genetics and socialization, you get a Ted Bundy, you know, like, um, it's just something doesn't click that like tells them like you, you cannot live with yourself if you murder people. And every so often there's someone that's like, Oh, actually, I know you guys, not a popular opinion. I'm totally fine with murdering people. Like Mm -hmm. sleep well every night. It rules. It's one of the most fun things to do. Um, and I just wish I could murder more, you know, like, and that's, that's just so, uh, I, I, I just, I, I want to know more, you know, like, I'm just so interested in like what goes on in a person's mind when that's what's going on with them. Would you like to know more? Yes. <sighs> <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> and... I think I'm done with this movie, man. <laughs> I think you were done with this movie three watches ago. That's right. <laughs> and if this was set in modern times, Patrick Bateman would definitely be selling NFTs. <laughs> oh, he'd be doing the like uh, 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 solicitation door to door vape sales, like in oh. uh, Nathan for you. <laughs> he would be straight. dismissing himself from tables. I have to mint some cartoon apes. instead of the videotapes oh i got it i got Uh, it i know you got it um so gregory let's Mm -hmm. let's call it you're done uh what's 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 your gimmick of the week your moment of misunderstanding uh i don't understand why people like watching this That's it. I don't get it. Um, I guess I uh, I don't understand why people don't like watching this. Um, 
No, I'll, I'll just throw something I never caught that like they juxtaposed. Um, they juxtaposed his uh, his like lack of any sort of feeling for any woman that he's with, with like how sexually he looks at the business cards. Um, you know, like that's like the only time you really see like emotional reactions out of him. That like that's how inhuman he is. That like he only really feels anything about these like competitive bullshit yuppie things. Um, I also wanted to say this off topic, but um, outside gimmicks, porn would be adorable if the actors frequently looked at the camera and gave a thumbs up because they're proud of themselves like Patrick Bateman does in this movie. That would make pornography so much more adorable. I wish that that would happen. If, like, every so often a porn actor would just look right at you and go, Yeah! Sex! I'm Dude. doing it! Everybody that watches porn is just like, I wish this was more endearing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes. If only Wes Anderson can make this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Sure, right. <laughs> Greg, what's your favorite line? Penetrate me symmetrically. Um, my favorite line is... <laughs> <laughs> That's a Wes Anderson oh joke that I didn't need to make. <laughs> I'm glad you made it. Uh, my favorite line, I think you kind of criticized it earlier. Feed me a stray cat. I like it. I just think it was it was confusing. I like okay, the line. Yeah. I think it's cool. Yeah, um, that's it's one of the most awesome parts of the movie from my perspective. But I think it, if they wanted to be clear, they should have just ditched it. Why'd you pick "Feed Me a Stray Cat"? It's the only thing I liked. <laughs> you didn't like the revolving door kill. That's not a line. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant the only thing you liked. Oh yeah, it's the, the, it's the only line I liked. Just, okay. Okay. Yeah. Besides, I have to mint some cartoon names. I mean, return some videotapes. Yeah. Um, I went with, um, because I want to fit in. Um, that's my favorite line of the movie, because he's such, like, he's so sociopathic that he's honest, right? Like, mm -hmm. and maybe that's the saving cats moment, right? That I'm like, dude, which one of, like, who doesn't want to fit in? Like, maybe not with the cool kids, but we want to fit in with the people we, we like, right? Like, we want to belong. Um, and I feel like it's really hard to admit that, to be like, you know what? I do a lot of what I do because I want to I wanna belong, right? Like, that's like a hard thing to admit and kind of embarrassing. And I'm just like, man, there's something like just almost accidentally. He gets so invulnerable that he's accidentally vulnerable, you know, like yeah. the, and I, that I like that just cause he doesn't care. He'll just admit it. Why do we have to do all this? Cause I want to fit in the end. Like he doesn't follow it up with anything else. He's like, I'm forcing you to do this because my image maintenance is important to me. Who like, who admits that? Right. Like who has the honesty to admit that? Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, that's my favorite line. You are so done with this. I've never seen you so done with a movie. <laughs> What's your what's your Sure you have. Score? You you watched me watch cats. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> you did not respond this way to cats, man. You did not respond this way to cats. Ah, uh, man. Are you asking me my critic score? Is that what you said? Yes. Um 
I, I appreciate what this movie's trying to say. I love the way it's made. I love the way it's directed. I love the performances. Uh, Chloe Savigny, thumbs up. Good job. Uh, Christian Bale, like you were saying, a- absolute rock star performance. I think he killed it. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a plan to make a movie, and I think they executed it very well according to that plan. Yeah. The process of watching this movie is a certain kind of hell for me, and I don't like watching it. <laughs> I'd right. prefer to never see it again. Um, I was going to give it a 16, but they killed a dog, so 15 out of 40. And I already know this, but for posterity's sake, what did you rate the Country Bears? Uh, I don't know. Do you know? Yes. Yeah, what is it? 18. Yep, this is... L- this is... I... Yeah, this is worse. Wait, than the you might have rated it even higher than that. Once I, I feel like it was in the twenties. No, wait, I rated it eighteen. You gave it a twenty-five. I gave yeah, uh, Country Bears here twenty-five. Yeah, I gave it twenty-five. And for the record, demonstrably better. I rank movies by genre. Greg does not. Yeah. So, not curving for genre. Greg thinks that Country Bears is ten points better than American Psycho. Yep, sure do. I'm not going to argue with you. I, yeah. I just it's phenomenal to me. That's that's a hot ass take. Country Bears is a better movie than than American Psycho. A much better movie than American Psycho. I mean, the number of bands that got back together in American Psycho is staggeringly low. Huey Lewis and the News. <laughs> <laughs> just staggeringly low. <laughs> imagine him showing up covered in blood to like Huey Lewis's house and being like, "We got to get the news. I'm getting the band back together." <laughs> He was like, I don't, I don't perform concerts during murders anymore. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a farmer now. I found a life. I found my peace. And then he has to my, talk him into it. My business card is an eight and a half by 11 sheet of printer paper with my name written on it with crayon. Oh, Ted Betterhead. Fred Betterfont. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to inspire a string of murders. I accidentally <laughs> said wingdings. <laughs> I gave this movie a 47 out of 50. Uh, not not to be contrarian, but I think it's fantastic. He thinks um, it's better than Fight Club. Get the fuck out of here. I think it's a lot better than Fight Club. Get the fuck out of here. Jesus yeah. Christ. I like it a lot more than Fight Club. And I, I like Fight Club a lot. I like American Psycho a lot more. It's a better film. The fuck it is? What the hell are you talking about? I'd love to tell you more, Greg, but, like, your only points are I have a strong emotional reaction of dislike to this movie, and I'm like, well, then that's yours, and I can't, like, I have nothing to answer for, like, yeah, you're, I validate your feelings, you know, like, I I don't know, I don't know what to explain. Facts don't care about your feelings, Greg. Denny, no, I'm saying Denny I do destroys, care about your feelings. Denny destroys Greg with facts and logic. No, I'm saying I'm not arguing with you because I do care about your feelings. That's what I'm saying, is I'm like, why would I shit on something you feel? And that's all you've really got. So I'm like, well, then we just... I have a lot of reasons why I like it, and you don't like it. So what's there to, what's there I, to debate? I, I think it was a movie that didn't need to be made. I agree with the author's... 
um, statement that this couldn't be made into a film. Things were unclear that you cannot make clear through the medium of filmmaking. Okay. But to clarify, you also think that someone saw the 15-minute stage show with no plots and animatronic bears at Disneyland. Uh-huh. And that did need to be made into a film. There's a lot of room for interpretation there. The, a very defined book with a very set idea and theme is not the same thing as a 15-minute plotless live show experience. That needed to be made into a movie. It didn't need American to, Psycho. but they... They, it didn't need to, but they did it. You don't need to make a movie out of fucking, oh my god, what am I trying to think of? Uh, the Odyssey. But we got it anyway with Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? That is just a loose hero's journey, you know? So it's like, <laughs> just for the record, the, the tears are Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? The Country Bears and American Psycho. That's like... The sure. tier list of movies that necessitate their existence. If you want to be like ABC, just like in terms of like adaptations, yes. At, no, adaptation is at the top, actually. Country Bears is an adaptation of a fucking 15 minute Chuck E. Cheese show where right, bears right, sing country right, songs. Right, right, right. The source material is if you want to make a movie, you can make a movie based on fucking anything, make it whatever you want to. This book is very clear and very defined what it's trying to go for. There's little room for, like, imagination. There's little room for growth, expanding on the ideas of it. There's so little tight room for it. A fucking whatever, whimsical bear show. Make it whatever the fuck you want. Who cares? So you've read the book? Uh, Country Bears? The novelization of Country Bears? No, have you read American Psycho? <laughs> no, I haven't. Then how do you know there's, like, no interpretation? The, au the author said so. Stephen King thinks The Shining sucks. He's wrong. Yeah, he is wrong. <laughs> what? What is this, Greg? I don't know. I'm... You're a moving target. I'm trying to let you just have you don't like the movie. <laughs> You're trying to give me a flimsy foundation for my disliking of your score and <laughs> the movie in general. I am I am uh, allowing you to discredit yourself by saying you ranked Country Bears that high. Yes. I'm also egging you on for fun. <laughs> that's, that's part of this. I'm down with it. Have I actually upset you? No. Okay. No. <laughs> My goal was to not be upsetting and to be playful when we had a strong disagreement. I, I don't know if I accomplished that goal. I'm just looking at what you rated the same level as American Psycho. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anything, we anything stand out to you that's upsetting to you? No, same rating as Interstellar. That's fine. And the Northman. And uh, yeah, well, well, all right, whatever. Just are we done? Are we fucking done? Please tell me we're done. Um, this episode's well, way the fuck too long. I'm gonna have to trim this. <laughs> no, Greg, you don't need to trim it. There is something I need to I need to ask you um, before we do this. Mm -hmm. um, well, Greg, I'm trying to get the band back together, mm -hmm. and we're all gonna go to a midnight screening of American Psycho. 
but we can't do it without you because then the band won't be together. Um, will you join the band? You've put again? me in a real... Greg, <laughs> <laughs> what's the best movie for when an audience missed the point? Uh, Fight Club, 100%. Because I feel like it's it is a bigger hit than the other two movies for the wrong reasons. And yeah. once you get to okay. the right reasons, I think it is a better film. Well, well, first of all, I think it's a better film than the other two, and I think it is more misunderstood than the other two. Ooh. You just changed my answer. I'm going to go with Fight, Fight Club based on the same criteria. Um, I like all three of these movies. I was going to say American Psycho. Um, but I think you're right that like the misunderstanding in Fight Club was so much... Uh, more damaging yeah like, right? it, like so much it more wasn't damaging to what the film was trying to go for it wasn't a huge hit when it came out and then just like people just picked up on it like i like i made the joke about it being in every single college dorm room and that's because people had this idea of what it was really about and they just bought into it and it's just like it had this resurgence of popularity that was totally misguided yeah. And now it's like this big cold hit for all the wrong fucking reasons. <laughs> yeah, well, like that's so weird to think of it as a cult movie because in my mind it's like it's like the dark knight it's so mainstream. You know, like everyone yeah. I know loves Fight Club. Well, we all know like David Fincher now. Like we're all like in agreement about how how good of a director he is, but he was like coming off what? Fucking Alien 3 or whatever like he wasn't he wasn't a big name guy yeah at, at that point and then he made a right. uh, benjamin button or whatever <laughs> did he make benjamin button david Fincher? yeah that was a david Fincher I, didn't, I didn't know that was him that's a that's a movie that's, it's certainly a movie it's certainly a film yep i'll give it that <laughs> um well, Greg, what are what are we doing next week? Oh my god, dude. I feel like our discussion of American Psycho went on too long. It did not necessitate any rehashing of ideas. Our discussion does not need a sequel. American Psycho also does not need a sequel. Guess what? It has a fucking sequel. Yes. <laughs> Next week we're doing movies that <laughs> sequels that absolutely did not need to be made. Movies for when we didn't need a sequel. We are going to be doing American Psycho 2. Woo! All American Girl starring Mila Kunis. A movie that oh my God. <laughs> missed the point of the original. <laughs> yeah. I am so ready for you to rate it higher than American Psycho. I doubt <laughs> like, that. That's, that's going to be the big reveal next week. I, I highly doubt that will happen. Um, <laughs> Critiker thinks I'm going to give it a zero. Uh, I'll let you know here in a second. But yeah, we're also going to be doing Psycho 2. Because yeah. this, this isn't an episode about bad sequels. This is sequels that they had zero reason to be made. And, you know, sometimes it actually works out. And I don't think either of us have seen Psycho 2. Is that right? No. No, I haven't seen it. I've wanted to see it for a while, but Psycho wraps it all up really neatly. 
Um, and ironically enough, I actually didn't make the connection that you picked American Psycho 2 and I picked Psycho 2 until after I picked it. Like, I, I just picked it completely independently of like, oh, okay, what do I think fits? And then I was like, oh, wow, no way. <laughs> Dude, uh, Critiker also thinks I will give American Psycho 2 colon all-American girl dash direct to video a zero so. <laughs> direct to videos in the title <laughs> it's not in the title but it's in the critiker description <sighs> it also thinks i'll give that one a zero uh, likely uh the third movie will be selected by you the audience i was gonna say you pointed at me <laughs> sorry you the audience <laughs> you you people uh we want to know and you'll tell us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram uh, sequels that straight up didn't need to be made. Yes. We had a nice tight little bow tied on the end of a story, and then they still made another movie anyways. Maybe it was good. Maybe it was bad. Uh, if somebody suggests Terminator 3, that gets you bonus points because <laughs> that was one of my main points in talking about Terminator 2 is why is there a sequel to this movie? Yeah. I, I think I think wait. it'll make it to the poll whether someone suggested or not. I'll I can guarantee it. it's going to get that far. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a positive. <sighs> well, Denny, I think we had a good time here. Um, I had a great time. I got a little riled up every now and then, but uh, yeah, you're a little crabby. Usually, it's me. <laughs> usually, yeah, most times. I just feel like this time maybe I kind of there was a catchphrase here and I just kind of missed the point of it could you please elaborate on it for me so I can really fully understand absolutely as a film critic and a, 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 a unbiased interpreter of deep themes of David Lynch movies uh, just kidding I've never figured any of that shit out of my own um, for Greg work the legwork Johnson I'm Denny the talent Taylor saying movies for when we already told you if you mixed equal parts of gasoline and frozen orange juice concentrate, you can make napalm! <laughs> What's my cage again? <laughs>